ho, 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 Chars. Chars. Cheers. Uh, Merry Christmas again, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas again. How you doing? Is it Merry Christmas again? Because this is our second holiday episode. Oh, hell yeah, it is. Yeah, I never knew, understood why uh, sitcoms didn't do this when I was a kid. Because December lasts a long time. Yeah. And why wouldn't you just milk and do like one story about Jesus and one story about Santa? <laughs> or just three stories about Santa. Or, as we'll talk about today, three stories about Rudolph. Or, hmm. f- <laughs> oh! Oh, yeah. or four Spoilers. stories about being trapped in a cabin <laughs> due to snow. Oh. With only your friends and not a oh. single family member, which is a Christmas experience I don't think very many people have had. But every sitcom in the early yeah. 90s did. Yeah. It was like, like oh, no, oh no, all the Saved by the Bell kids are at a cabin. I'm like, they are children. <laughs> Where is their chaperone? Oh, there's Mr. Yeah. Bell. Also, they oh. have no survival system. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> guys, Screech is going to die. <laughs> yeah. oh. Also, Mr. Belling is not a good chaperone. No. Yeah, Mr. Belling shouldn't be allowed to be around kids, let's be honest. There is an episode of Saved by the Bell where Mr. Belding goes to a sleepover at Zach's Oh, I forgot about that. Ooh, <laughs> and ooh. they pretend like that's normal. Ew. Like, that's acceptable. That's fine. They're just way it's cool guys night. It was 100%. And it was uh, legitimately, they were just bitching about ladies. They were being like, oh, girls want stuff. And they're like, wah, wah, wah. Mr. Belding's there and being like, yeah, I can hang with you kids. He's like sitting on a chair backwards in <laughs> Zach's room. <laughs> like, yeah, girls want stuff. Mostly alimony. Am I right, boys? <laughs> high five. High five. High five. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to Categorical Oracle, the podcast where we pit our organizational skills against the disorder of the modern world. I am Andrew Crawford, and with me as always are... Kelly Connedy. Mary Johnston. I was swallowing, so Kelly didn't dive in there. (laughs) Yep, good move. I was trying to talk over her. (laughs) We are doing our customary thing this holiday season, where we are sharing a vintage coffee carafe Mm. of hot toddy. Hot toddy. I mean, we started this last holiday episode, which was a few weeks ago. I think it might just be like a thing I do in my life now. This is great. Just have toddies. Yeah, it started as a joke, but man, what a convenient and delicious joke. It's... It's wonderful medicine. It's wonderful. <laughs> Tuck oh it right throat. under your pillow at night. <laughs> just, just a carafe of hot toddy under your pillow. Your water bottle with a crazy straw that's full of hot toddy. <laughs> or just an IV to go into your mouth. Anyway, so every episode, we are challenged to organize a themed list of people, places, and or things using carefully crafted categories. We've conducted our category prep cloistered away from one another and come prepared to delight, shock, and dominate our fellow oracles with our organizational prowess. Guys, let the Christmas begin. Woo-hoo! That's a weird one. <laughs> let the Christmas begin? Let the Christmas begin. You guys, I feel like it could be Christmas now. Andrew has declared it. Yeah, you're welcome, oh, world. Thank you. So, yeah, so to my surprise, at least, I, there are three Rudolph films. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger, classic. Uh, <laughs> Rudolph's Shiny New Year. And Rudolph's and Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Do you think they were afraid that just Rudolph alone wouldn't bring the kiddos in, so they had to they had to double down? Yeah, it double was down. like it's like when you see um, those action movies about old people now, and they're like, <laughs> "You've got Stallone, you've got Schwarzenegger. We're just gonna keep piling on people, so Dolph you'll see Lundgren. them." Dolph Lundgren. Dolph <laughs> Lundgren. Stephen Dorff. Paul <laughs> Emma Giamatti. Thompson for some reason. <laughs> anyway. And the Steve reanimated Gutenberg. Cor- reanimated corpse of Alexander McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, don't you mean Steve McQueen? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It still works. 
get that movie made. <laughs> Ghost of Alexander McQueen, be an action star. We'll write the screenplay. <laughs> Happily. Someone just give us money. Please. Let's kickstart it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a look at these three films and really uh, look at the um, the universe which they create. So um, instead of just sort of talking about them, we're going to talk about specifically the original characters that came from the films. Because, of course, in a completely made-up mythical universe, you had to fill it full of people. And, man, they filled it full of some great people. And hor- not horses, and animals, and magical creatures, and horse. toys, and griffins, etc., etc., Etc. So, um, I mean, just you, to... you can't write an original story without having a whale with a clock jammed into oh, Lord, it, or a griffin. My God. I mean, what are you gonna? You, you're not gonna have the whale with a clock jammed into an archetype. Then? I genuinely mm. think that's missing from most stories. People yeah. are like, you know, I love Star Wars. I'm like, you know what? Where's the whale? Where's the whale? It really would have punched up War and Peace. I'm just oh, saying. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, we're looking at the characters, and the, the criteria for adding a character to the list this time was um, specifically original Rankin-Bass characters. For those who don't know, Rankin-Bass uh, was the production company that made all these claymation classic Christmas films. What were the names like, of the men who created uh, it? Arthur Rankin and something Bass. Jewel. Jules. Jules Bass. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we're looking at the original characters that created. So just to give a point of clarification, uh, we're not talking about Rudolph, for example, because Rudolph was actually originally created for a coloring book in the 30s for the uh, department store Montgomery Ward sidebar fun fact uh, some of the names they considered for the reindeer were Rollo and Reginald 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 the red nose reindeer if they had named him Reginald this would never happen because that that is a person of dignity. <laughs> like, that is a deer full of dignity. And let's not even talk and about And a person Rolo. of dignity would just not belong <laughs> in what we're it's about not... to do. No. Oh, man. So, uh, without further ado, let's just get into these movies. So, um, Andrew, are you, uh, are, are, we're all we're all cozied up with our toddies. Are, are you going to tell the stories? Children. Adult women. <laughs> Me. Gather around the fire. Oh, that was us. We were the adult women. I thought you were specifically calling out to our listeners who were adult women, but not the dudes. And I was just like, that's a little weird answer. Hey, ladies. <laughs> I Curl think that... by the fire. Let me tell you about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Let's save it. Humans. 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 Mammals. <laughs> Please stomp on your Christmas tree uh, light stomper and <laughs> turn on your electric fireplace. And, and get the ball rolling. Listen to the story by a crackling iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Classic film about a mutant reindeer who learns that he's worth loving as long as the weather sucks in the North Pole and Santa Claus doesn't figure out light bulbs. <laughs> so we begin. Um, just to take, because, you know, you might not have seen these movies in a long time. I'm going to take a quick walk through them. So uh, we open on a gentle snowman who seems wise beyond his years, presumably. Who is not frosty. No, I don't know. His name's Sam. Sam. Sam the cool snowman. Uh, who tells us a story of about a, a strange occurrence when a reindeer was born to Donner, head of Santa's reindeer. But man, what a disappointment he was. That intro is kind of funny, too, because it's totally like a, oh, oh hello there. Hello, I didn't <laughs> see you there. At the North Pole. At the North <laughs> Pole. And it's entering with him being like, it's really cold out here. Oh, <laughs> not like it was cold that one time we had all those storms. You don't know what I'm talking about? Rudolph! And then it launches in. <laughs> Maybe you remember the coloring book from Montgomery Ward, 1939. It was wonderful. Big hit. Uh, it's funny to imagine him speaking to like an Arctic research scientist. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey there. 
Hey he's, there, Dr. Phillips. Cold day. Full on, he's full on just addressing a narwhal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> telling the beautiful story of young Rudolph. He's telling an Inuit and they're like, yeah, yeah. we know. And we live here. So reindeer's born. Beautiful young reindeer. A fawn. Beautiful, uh, reindeer. beautiful reindeer. <laughs> beautiful reindeer born to Donner, lead reindeer of Santa's sleigh. Donner rushes home, excited to see his newborn son, but mm. oh, lo, the tragedy. Not there for the birth. When oh, he goes to count, it's two hooves and two hooves. What does he find? <laughs> oh, lo and behold, a little monster. A little monster with a glowing nose. So this this uh, medically neglected young reindeer <laughs> um, is, is forced to cover his thunder with mud. Thunder being his nose. Um, well, let's clarify. All, it's all clear. over there. All over there. It's not a bright shit. red beak. Um, and just hide who he is. But you know what, Rudolph? His fire is just too bright. He grows. He maintains it, the muddy nose. And then one day, while flirting with a young lady. Clarice. A foxy young reindeer named Clarice. He gets way excited because she calls him cute. He flies around like an idiot and knocks his muddy nose off. Which raises a lot of questions about the nose, I guess. There's a lot of questions about the physics of that mud. Yeah. So, uh, so cast out, so Rudolph's uh, sham nose comes loose, and he finds himself cast out into a cruel world because nobody likes him but Clarice, not even his parents, apparently. He runs off, and then he runs into our, the first character on our list, Hermie the Misfit Elf. Guys, I'm just going to say it. White privilege. Oh, I called him Hermie <laughs> the Aryan Elf. Oh my god, same page. All right, interesting. Yeah, consider. Interesting, because I also wrestled with that. I was like, is mm-hmm. this a libertarian tale? So it's important to know that Hermie, when we actually meet Hermie, he's getting screamed at by the head elf. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the, the crux of it is that they want him to go back to the line. And he wants to pursue higher education and become a dentist. I will stop you right there. He doesn't want to pursue higher education. He wants to be a self-taught dentist. Bingo. Is there elf college? I don't oh, know. Yeah. But I think the difference is that he's reading a book of something. I mean, we'll learn later. He's doing procedures on uh, imaginary creatures. <laughs> so he's not going to get a ton of information there. But I'm not sure I want a self-taught dentist. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to work on a line job that doesn't have a dental plan. Yeah, there's a lot of there's I, a lot of problems all I around. I think that... Do Pop- they have teeth? Yes. I hope so. Other, otherwise, Hermes barking up the yeah. wrong mouth. <laughs> yeah, you see their teeth. Yeah. Um, I think that... What if it's it's a magical place? You don't get cavities there. But all they eat is candy, right? All they eat is candy. Um, I think that it Peppermint seemed <laughs> like a union busting moment. I hear what you're saying, but I guess... Let me, let me frame it like this. So, you know, Hermes is a misfit elf. Why is he a misfit? Yeah. Because the entire movie is about conformity. It's true, but yeah, you know, let's consider Rudolph. <laughs> the entire movie yeah. is about yeah. is about yeah. anim- about things shouting at other things that they don't fit in and that they need to be cast out from society. Yeah. I I know what you're saying because I definitely like when I first thought about this, I was like, oh yeah, Hermes the worst. But then I rewatched it, and I don't think it's a libertarian fable, a la The Incredibles, putting The Incredibles on blast. Because it doesn't encourage Hermie and Rudolph to stomp all over anybody else. It's just like, no, they don't deserve to die in the Arctic, like, tundra. They have a space and a place in society as well. And according to Hermie, the head elf has quite a bit of dental work that needs to be done. Well, they've never had So they actually, according to him, as a self-taught <laughs> dentist... 
You act like people didn't used to educate themselves in that ways. I mean, self-taught dentist is usually a great choice you make if you're a serial killer. But here's the difference. I assume this happens in current day. I know it's not happening in current day 2017. It opens with a newspaper from the 30s. So it's 1930. There were educated (laughs) dentists in 1930. No, because Sam's telling us a story from the past. Mm. That is interesting. I forgot they actually had a date. Uh. Anyway, so Rudolph is a misfit because of something innate in his being. He is born a certain way. And people hate him because of it. That's racism. That's terrible. Hermie is a misfit because he just he just isn't realizing his true self. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't want. Uh, that's true. He has the say. liberty and the, and the the privilege to uh, to reach out and become yeah. a sociopath. Maybe. I I guess I saw the sinister nature of the Christmas industrial complex in this so much more, such that, that I didn't trust it. Like. When Santa's sitting there and watching all those elves play, I saw like Chairman Mao with those children <laughs> oh, singing. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't, I, I agree with Hermie only in that I'm like, he wants to pursue something that is actually very practical. He's not like one of these people who's like, I just wish I could travel and be paid for that. <laughs> he wants to do a job that's like hard and gross. He's not a tooth blocker. <laughs> right, he's right. And people are like, no, get on the line. You're an elf. You are born to do yeah, this. There's, there's a bit more, there's a touch of uh, North Korea at the North Pole. You know, I would agree that his hair is quite Aryan, but yeah. also kind of fabulous. Yeah, well, you know. Are we to believe that once you get your elf stripes, your head gets shaved? Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, Hermie and the women are the only ones that have hair, oh. which implies to me that elf ca- elves can grow hair, <laughs> and then everybody else is bald, which makes me think they're skinheads. Jesus. I basically think that Santa is running a Nazi organization. There are dark things <laughs> happening in the North Pole. And that would make sense because then Hermie's like Nazi youth. Oh, man. That's why he's got that hair. So... Should I just introduce my category go, at this go point? Go for it. Before, okay. before you do, before you do, let me ask one question, guys. What do you think happens when you get fired from the North Pole? I think you die. I think they send you. I think what happens to you is exactly what they do to the rest of them, which is they send them out. Like, this is jumping ahead, but we do find out what happens to things that are not wanted in the North Pole later. Which which is another reason I was like, like, I had to watch this whole movie, consider all of it together before I realized that this was really creepy. So I also would like, but I also think it's really funny that Hermie, to me, is like bucking the system and he is fighting against unfair labor practices and he is, you know, kind of pushing back against discrimination. But no one has ever wanted to be a dentist this much in the world. <laughs> what a incredibly... I mean, to be fair, that might be the only book they have in the North Pole. Mama's Boy <laughs> reaction of, of, I mean, like, we're not, these are Mrs. not. Mrs. Claus Boys. Mrs. Claus. <laughs> yeah, Mama. <laughs> Mama! Mrs. Claus Boy's reaction. So, I mean, like, he's he's a he's a rebel, but he's not like, he's not like Han Solo. He's a real Canadian rebel. <laughs> yeah, he's not, but I, I still want to give him a little pat on the back. So I called it, I'll milk toast to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. Yep. Oh man, I uh, I focused on the sort of selfish uh, becoming my best self aspects of this experience. I mm-hmm. decided to go with all I want for Christmas is me. <laughs> that makes sense too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually also went for a Christmas themed, Christmas song themed category. Get them out of your system now, am I right? <laughs> I called it the Christmas shoes because it's just <laughs> oh woe is me. Mm. Everything is terrible. To be fair, the person with Christmas tree's mom is dying. I mean, to be fair, yes. Tough. But how did he try to fix it? Someone gets. (laughs) 
Keep trying and to how fix it hurt me trying to fix things? By becoming a dentist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 uh, an amateur dentist. Uh, I, hmm. I think Mary should get it. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Mary on that I, one. The I milk just, toast. I would like... What you, I'm very excited to uh, lay out the Christmas industrial complex evilness on this. Because I think I see it in all of the movies. Oh, man. So... <laughs> All right, Alex Jones. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I mean, like, this is dark. There's some dark things, especially this one is the darkest. I think that if we watch those elves moving together in a unit, they would be goose stepping. I can't believe Canada you guys goose stepping. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, God. You are doing great. <laughs> Thank you. Milk toast. Right, I'll milk toast to that. I'll milk toast to that. All right, moving on. So back to the back to the story at hand, kitties. So uh, after being uh, pushed out of the North Pole, out of civilization, uh, our our two compadres venture forth, and luckily, after spending I guess a night alone, not eating food, freezing in the cold, they find. Uh, yeah, but one of them's an elf, and one of them is a deer. It's true. Fine. They're also made out of clay. That that stuff lasts forever. Um, they're actually carved. I looked at really? this. They're really made out of wood, and then they're covered in some sort of polymer. Oh, that's fascinating. That's so much work. And oh they had to carve for each, like, I mean, obviously they do stuff with their mouths, but if you see anything that's not a mouth movement, like if like their eyes are surprised, or if their eyes are like closed or anything like that, that's a separate carving. They carved over 200 puppets for this. I feel like I've never accomplished anything in my life when I hear that. I know. How... Oh. So sorry to take us on oh, a bit of a tangent. Yeah. How big do you think these puppets are? How big do you think Rudolph is? Mm, that's a good question. I would imagine like two feet tall. He's four inches tall. Oh my God. Yeah. He's tiny. I bet he's small. That's no. Like four inches tall is like this big. That's like. <laughs> no, I suppose. I suppose yeah, that's like. An he's inch. tiny. And then, so the largest puppet yeah. obviously is, is the abominable snowman. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, or the Spoilers. abominable. Sorry, mm-hmm. and he is 12 inches tall. He's just a little bit bigger than a Barbie doll. You could give that to a kid for Christmas. Uh, you, you can't because they didn't Oof. do their due diligence. Like most of these puppets have rotted. Because they were not uh, meant to last. They sprayed them with this magnetic stuff that would um, deflect the snow that they were shooting oh, on the way. It was like a different pole so that the snow wouldn't stick to them. Right? Because there's a lot of, I mean, like, static electricity That's and stuff. Yeah. So, and that stuff degraded the polymer that was covering them, and they rotted. That's genuinely very fascinating. Uh, so, yeah, so, our, so our, 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 our brave misfits venture forth into the north, south, I don't know, out into the world. The tundra. Outside, the tundra. To a certain death, but oh, no, no, no. They get saved by, I, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give the category best, but I'm going to say the best character in the movie. You yeah. oh, easily. Hands, easily. hands down. The, the true hero, the true the truest symbol of the commercialization of Christmas, Yukon Cornelius. Oh man, what do you guys think about Yukon? I do not appreciate his very cavalier ways of animal abuse. <laughs> he hits those dogs an awful lot. But he oh, well, also drags them on the sleigh that they're supposed to be pulling. Also, they're like pugs. <laughs> so. I would, I, that was actually one of my favorite things about Unicorn. There were two things that stood out to me from my childhood for about Yukon Cornelius. One, I thought his red beard looked like baked beans. <laughs> Two, I loved that he had a group of dogs that were not huskies or malamutes pulling his sleigh. Um, and I looked up what those animals are. So I always remember the little black poodle. That's like my dream dog. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's a cocker spaniel 
There's a very tiny St. Bernard, a Dachshund, and a Collie. Oh, those are great dogs. Those are like the best dogs. Yeah. Um, like a Portuguese water dog in there. It's good. When, they're very winter-friendly dogs. That's so, why they're not dragging the sleigh. When I see... So Yukon Cornelius is seeking um, gold, then silver, and eventually lands on peppermint as his mining <laughs> operation of choice. Um when I see him throw that ice pick, and the way he finds these things, he throws his ice pick in the air and it lands in the permafrost and then he licks it and he can taste whatever uh, precious substance is contained there. within the ice. I kind of think ice. that he was looking for peppermint the entire time. If he's licking it, that does make sense. Or, um, or he's just insane. But when I, see, when I see his little, little weird tongue come out and lick <laughs> that ice pick... I that's a new character (laughs) I understand why people want to listen to Sousa marches and vote for Ronald Reagan like I get it I'm like yeah that's an American that's the way an American should be he's like a modern cowboy which is weird because from the 30s American I would I would assume he's Canadian Uh, North Polian yeah fair Fair. He seems very American but, to me. Because he, he's an American. He's an American. He uh, Santa's, Santa's an American by all accounts. He's a uh, well, and we'll see later. Yeah. Apparently, like the the like laws that dictate time and physics are also <laughs> Americans. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he uh, he subsists on cornmeal, gunpowder, powder, ham hocks, and guitar strings. He's an American. <laughs> um, uh. Also, he has that gun like loosely tucked into his belt in yeah. the front. Way cash. Um, and he thinks that he owns the gold and silver and or peppermint mines that he finds whenever he finds them, which is uh, probably an Inuit. Or a Santa. Which is like, but that feeling um, is definitely American. Yeah. And <laughs> these things actually tie into my category. Which, which is... is? Manifest Charlton Destiny. Oh. I I'm not I'm even going to tell you what my category know. is. I Done. To, I, I am going to throw mine out there. I'm pretty proud of it. I don't think it's going to be that. That's that needs to be in the cultural dialogue as yeah. a term. <laughs> Thank you. Desperately. Thank you. My approach was similar, but I, I didn't focus on the uh, Americanness of him. I thought he just he's a real like pleasantly aggressive person like he just gets in your face he's like i love it i love everything i love silver gold i love christmas um he's like assaults you with his personality and you love it he but he's not an assailant he's a wassailant oh i do like that <laughs> i'll still give it to you because i'm not gonna yeah, I, there'll I, be other re- there'll be other places for wassailants. i've never wanted something to win more than that category yeah. <laughs> in the entirety of the show thank you oh my god i was god. really pleased with it yeah um yeah Say it one more time for me. Manifest Charlton Hestony. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Manifest Charlton Hestony. Uh, moving on. So and now our, our duo. Now a trio. A trio hmm. of lovely miss. I guess they're all misfits. I don't know. Yukon's the pop- most popular kid in school. He's not a misfit. He's um, Zach no, Morris. Or if he's a... Yeah. He totally is. Zach Morris. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like... Um, you know that if you knew Yukon in real life, like you probably wouldn't agree with him on basically anything, oh, but you no. would be so charmed by him. Like he would be your drinking buddy, and you're like, we don't talk about politics or like gender norms or that's or how George anything. Bush got elected. Yeah. Totally, yes, a little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Oh, I think man. he's smarter than George Bush. <laughs> I mean, that's and this man life. licks to find elements. <laughs> This man knows a gold taste like. This this is a man who understands what frozen silver should taste like. <laughs> and how to differentiate it from 
his um, his iron his <laughs> iron axe yeah. pickaxe yeah totally he's a real flavor savant guys um he i will say be. he does uh he does know how to escape an abominable snow monster of the north who we'll be talking about in a second but uh in the process of escaping said beast our heroes land on a uh, gulag slash concentration camp slash leper colony for leper colony and we're for toys kind of closest with leper colony yeah, yeah it really that's is really it's uh, the Misfit Toys, guys. Uh, so, <laughs> for those, uh, like Kelly, unfamiliar with the film, but I... familiar with the story, um, The Misfit Toys, wow. Wow. Most of them are awesome. Most of them are better Most than regular Most of them are so toys. awesome. What, uh, which ones do you want? Because I definitely marked down. I want the cowboy who's riding the Oscars. Me too. Mm-hmm. And the bird that swims. Yeah. A penguin, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or a puffin. Or a or puffin. puffin. Actually, lots of birds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not, not lots so of birds. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of birds. Um, and then I liked the jelly squirt gun. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. That's the so The water you... gun which skirts, squirts jelly. He really just has a branding problem. Yeah. If you just rebranded him a jelly gun, it would sell I mean, like really, hotcakes. What he has is a filling problem. And you'd sell problem. it to fill hotcakes. <laughs> jelly guns. Yeah. Yes. I think what's wrong with the doll is that she has brown eyes. I've, I don't... I don't know that to be sure. They don't say it, but I think I've read that before, which is also very dark. Ouch. Um, you guys aren't mentioning me with the blue eyes. I, oh, yeah, she has the desirable eyes. You can hang out with Hermie, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- I think you'll have some things in common. <laughs> What's really dark about the situation is that all these toys, like, they, they simultaneously blame Santa for making them monsters. <laughs> Why also, did you make me? Let me die! <laughs> yeah. But also, they just desperately want him to, like, love them. It's a did very Santa... Island of Dr. Moreau thing. It's very creepy. So did Santa make them? Well, I, I thought well, that they yeah. were, like, abandoned. No, no. As we'll find out in a second, they were gathered. Yeah, I know they were gathered. No, no, no. Where yeah, were they gathered they're, from? They're like, the world. They're rejects, so they yeah. made them at Santa's workshop. First of all, Santa doesn't make anything. Oh, so Santa oh, delivered them. them, and some children were like, you know, or, screw this. Or then... they made them, and then no child asked for them. Yeah. For Christmas, so they didn't have anyone to love them. Or they might so have been manufactured. Shouldn't there be a bunch of Charlie in the boxes somewhere yeah. in the corner? In the I don't know workshop? if they've like really figured out mass production. Mm. When you see them working in the workshop, they're just kind of like moving stuff around. Yeah, we know they don't there's know. Not, <laughs> they don't know. There's about not electricity. a ton of like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't know about electricity. That's for sure. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is very dark when you look at it as an adult. Kind of goes so, back to the whole like cult of personality, where Santa Claus is like the glorious leader. And these but, are like these are like the, the unwanted. Yeah. I thought it peeled back the wrapping paper and let us see the casualties of the Christmas trade. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. And now we're back to gulags. Okay, oh, great. Yeah. This is this is when it really took a turn for me. And I was like, I need to relook at Hermie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to go back. Hermie, what you doing? So what uh, what do you guys have for categories for this one? Mm-hmm. Hmm? I called them fruitcakes. They're all throwaways. I had a similar, I had, oh. not for this one, but I also have a fruitcake category. Yeah. Not this type, but. Fruitcakes. Uh, I went again with uh, All I Went for Christmas is Me because they're just aspiring to be their best selves, which are, you know, non-broken or just, you know, properly Loved labeled toys. in some way. Um, I went with the, uh, these are like the casualty, these are the realities and the things that we like kind of push to the side and pretend like don't exist. So I called it Blood Yule Timond. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about my categories. Not to not to step in here. I feel like you know they just want to be their best selves. 
Is that what through. that means? It's not. It's not a navel gazing thing. No, they want to. They want to. They, they want to strive. They wanna, they're aspirational. They want to be good in the eyes of Santa, our, our Lord and Savior and glorious King. I can go with that. Sure. All right. All I want for Christmas uh, is me. Me. All right. So uh, you know, being misfits, at least two out of three misfits, our our heroes ask the ruler of this isle if they can stay. He says no. Who is he? He is King Moonracer. Wow. What is King Moonracer, guys? He's a winged black mane lion. Uh. <laughs> uh, and so a king. And a king. Wearing a, king. a crown. He's easily the most noble and all awe-inspiring thing in this movie. He's a shocker, right? Like, he, like everything else feels pretty normal. I mean, relatively speaking. It feels pretty reasonable given the context. But then you get this, like griffin type creature who flies around the whole world collecting misfit toys for his own edification i assume well because to save them from uh, presumably dying yeah yeah he's 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 a really noble guy he's got kind of a princess die thing going on where he, like he's royalty but he's really of the people he's making sure that those kids don't step on mines <laughs> his toys yeah he struck me in this Hugging movie people with aids <laughs> He struck me as as one of the only non-white characters in this movie. That's probably good, yeah. If there is something that's not white, it's him. And his job is to gather up society's rejects and care for them in his own country, which is a giant hobo camp. Slash uh, gulag. Oof. Slash Slash colony. colony. It's not a great place. Oof. Uh, The subtext there kind of kills me. So I called him... A cryptozool of the oppressor. <laughs> um, so I took a different tack because I think this is the first instance in which we see the bigger elements of the mythology Rankin and Bass created. Because um, King Moonraiser is sort of this bizarre, cre- bizarre creature. One of many bizarre creatures that sort of, to me, speaks to this idea that the films kind of dance around, which is that, again, you know, this is, these are Christmas movies that don't, exist in a world with uh, Christianity, which is fascinating. Um, but they do have religious figures, and those figures are sort of this pantheon of big, monstrous, sort of Lovecraftian eldritch whores um, who love Christmas and have very gentle schemes. So um, I gave him the category Jingle Beldritch Whore. Oh, Jesus! Because <laughs> he's a monster. He's a benevolent monster, but he's a monster a demigod. Monster. They definitely don't respect him there. He's like to me he seems like a like a kind of beatific prison guard. Yeah. Like they they want Santa. They don't care about Moonracer. Which is rough. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it. Like I don't care about Santa if I know that Moonracer exists. <laughs> Moonracer yeah. is whoever is currently in charge of South Korea. <laughs> yeah. 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 Taking in the refugees? Yep. Wow. Um, I just called it uh, Christmas Sludge, which is basically something very toxic happened to this creature. As in, like, socially? Or you think he's a mutant? <laughs> Can it <Yes>. be both? <laughs> both. Okay. I kind of like that. Yeah, I think that really sums it up nicely. Yeah. I like that. Let's Thanks, do guys. It. Let's do it. Hey, Kelly, thank you. You're welcome, Merry guys. Christmas. That was one of the categories I was like, this is a short category. I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty spot on. Thanks, Nicely guys. done. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There we go. Christmas sludge. So despondent and, and fearful for the safety of his friends, young Rudolph ventures forth again alone into the night 
Oh no. Uh, oh no. Oh no. He also leaves the door open when he yeah, leaves, which is a real rude. jerk move. I can't imagine King Moonraiser feels good about that. He's like, who's paying the heat but bill? But to be fair, Rudolph was <laughs> Not heating the cave. entire Arctic. Yeah. It is sort of weird that they get a little house and then later you see them as fit toys like around a fire. Yeah, that's yeah. brutal. Huddling for warmth. Do you think that's because they wanted to watch them and keep them like corralled in one place? Well, they were actually looking for Santa Claus. Keep I up. think it's like when you are running a... Um, like Tater the one hotel in yeah. Pyongyang. <laughs> right. Actually, yeah. So, so, so young Rudy finches forth and in time becomes young adult Rudy. <laughs> Living in the world, he gets full antlers and grows, matures, meets friends, abandons friends. It's sort of a montage thing. You and know? we see that this is about like three months. Oh, yeah. That's, I, <laughs> the, the time range is quite baffling in this movie. I thought this was taking place over like years. I thought it was like a sort of a Lion King yeah, I thought it was thing. a Lion King no, thing. No, this is a, I guess, fawns grow up to adulthood slash teenhood fast how fast do deers develop i don't know no idea mm-hmm. three months yeah. it's answer. not three months yeah. <laughs> it's not three months but but let's just say he's still a baby oh yeah he's a baby with beautiful if he antlers. was a human baby he wouldn't be able to hold up his head yet to be fair though, oh a, i thought you yeah. meant in the movie i was like he has a he's like a 10 point du- buck like he's not a baby <laughs> but i see yeah, what you're yeah. saying yeah. yes but, no he should be a baby and both in human years and deer years i'm pretty sure but what he is is a wise, slightly grown deer buck. And in that, with age came wisdom. Not a fawn wisdom, Not a fawn. With that age came wisdom. And with that wisdom, he decided that he had to go back to his home and seek out his family and make amends for the people he abandoned. Oh my God, he's 40. Yeah, That's wow. why he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> he's like, whatever. I'm going I'm home. just going to be completely nude at the gym. Be fair. <laughs> people can look at my nose all they want. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, it is Christmas. You got to go visit the family. You no. know the ones that don't, you don't <laughs> like. So, so Rudolph uh, ventures forth home, or tries to, rather. Well, actually, no, he does. Sorry, get my facts confused. He goes home and finds no one's there. All alone. <sighs> Because they've been searching for him for years, one assumes. Slash months, slash weeks, slash uh, who the, even the knows? The time frame's pretty mushy. A period of time. So his family and Clarice, his girlfriend of a couple hours, like an hour, decided to venture forth into the scary woods and get lost. All of this is told to him by Santa, who has never been a big Rudolph supporter to date. Been yeah, quite rude. who basically saw that ba- the baby reindeer and was like, Oh, he'll Ugh. never make it. No, no, no. What think- a shame. You better have another one. That's what he says. Yeah. Literally, he says, what a shame. Do you think this is actually just a ploy for Santa, from Santa to get Rudolph back out of Christmas Town? He's like, I send- I'll send his family out. So then when he comes Town. back, get out. I think it's actually called Christmas Town. We don't Town. serve your kind here. Yeah, literally. Um, so yeah, being wise and brave, Rudolph ventures forth again into the wild tundra to search for his family, and he comes across them in the cave of the abominable snow monster of the North, Whoa. aka the Bumble, the which Bumble. is what Yukon uh, uh, Cornelius calls him because he can't say, and abominable. because because I think he's amazing. I want to call him the Bumble. Yeah, I, Bumble. I genuinely forgot it was not actually called a Bumble. A Bumble. I just assumed. Yep. So, um, yeah, the Bumble, big, scary, but really just trying to live his life. He just wants to eat. Sorry that, you know, deer's delicious, I guess. He wants some venison. Yep. He doesn't uh, want to destroy Christmas. <laughs> yeah. According to them, that he does. He just wants to eat. Yeah. Yeah, this is the one thing about this movie that's sort of weird, because the whole, I mean, like, kind of the story starts with, like, a place of conformity, and then they realize... And they realize, like, like when they all come back, they're like, maybe they were wrong. Actually, the best line ever, right before Donner 
goes out to search for the wilderness and ends up in the cave of the bumble is Sam the snowman delivers this line, which my brother pointed out to me. Donner was feeling pretty bad about the things he said to old Rudolph. And you're like, yeah, Yeah. you're a bad dad. (laughs) Jeez, Donner. Um, So then you got this bumble who like, I think is the captain of like freak flag fly and high and proud land. He's the one creature who's not under the sway of God Emperor Santa yeah, Claus. He does not seem to care about Santa. He's just kind of out there. He's yeah. he's a, he's an animal. He has to eat. Yeah. He particularly likes venison and pork. Pork over really venison. He likes pork, which is weird because how many pigs live in the North Pole? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're wearing sweaters. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you get, you know, if a Bichon Frise can live in the North Pole. <laughs> yeah. He's Why just, and, and apparently he's just bouncing around out there, uh, having yeah. a blast. And what happens to him? Oh, my God. We really, this is when, you know, I, I know you're sort of, you were leaning towards sort of a pro Hermie stance early in the conversation, yeah. Mary. Well, but actually, is, it's Yukon Cornelius's idea. Well, yeah, true. But Hermie gladly pulls that off. And by it, I mean he pulls out all of the Bumble's teeth. That's a tough moment. I really am glad we were spared from seeing a little pile of bloody puppet oh teeth. My God. Oh, my <laughs> God. That would have been rough. Oh, what you know, they had that, like, originally yeah. written in the script, and somebody was like, this it's, is, no. We can't it's do on this. the cutting room floor somewhere. Yeah. And someone, like, found it and was like, oh, and held up the negative and was like, oh. Good God. Put it oh, in a fire. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, if anything, uh, explanation of why dentistry should not be a hobby. <laughs> like, this is, this is Yeah, well, creepy. but you know, a lot of... Um, but did he have a toothache? They said something about no, a toothache. No. Um, no, he just had scary teeth that could eat deer and... To be fair, those teeth are, like, easily the scariest thing in this movie. Yeah, when yeah. I saw the bumble again, I was like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, you're a formidable fellow. Were yeah. you? Oh, well, you're up to 12 inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I would have a bit of trouble kicking you across the floor, unlike Rudolph, who I could just step on. Um, no, but his teeth are like, sh- those are definitely like fresh plastic. Ugh, They're like, yeah. sh- they gleam in a way nothing else in the movie gleams. It's quite frightening. But, you know, not all, um, not all like communist labor movements are pro nature. And I think that that is what we've got here. We have man's dominion over nature. The Bumble wants to eat our heroes, so he has to get his teeth pulled yes. so that he can enter society. Yeah, it is where that, that is like how they neuter him too, in essence. Like they, Which yeah. is funny. Yeah. My category <clears throat> is neuter over nature. Wow. Smooth transition. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Kim, your category? Uh, so I'm ready for a little peek into how I do uh, my categories, yeah. which is that I... I think our listeners want to know. Uh, yeah, I, I put everything in rough categories and then come back and be funny. <laughs> and I forgot to um, in this case. So Are we going to get some, some uh, Casey Raw? Yeah, you're going to get my... <laughs> oh. <laughs> my Raw category is uh, just a bad guy who isn't actually bad. Oh, There are a lot Stop. of these. He's not. No, he, I mean he's just he's just an animal. He's just fine. He's kind of like the Wampa from Empire Strikes Back, just like trying to eat a Jedi. Gets his arm cut off. Sure. Brutal. Um, Never I, seen him. He's so, quite a bit like a Wampa yeah, now that you mentioned creepily, it. Creepily, right? Um, so. Also, Luke is so whiny, just like Hermie. Whoa. I think that, I think that Star Wars is actually just a rip off of Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. They're both trilogies. So is Santa Vader? Oh. Yes. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Santa the Emperor? Oh, maybe. Who's Vader then? The head elf. Uh, Who doesn't like I think it's the other way around. I think it's the other way around. I think Mm -hmm. if we had pushed further, we would find out that the head elf is actually the problem. Do you remember, in a sidebar, in the movie Year Without a Santa Claus, 
which has the Miser Brothers, yes. which is my only regret. Mm. Is that and we couldn't only talk about talking about those oh, fabulous queens? <laughs> they're so fab. Well, one them. of them's fabulous and one of them's kind of a both dumb. of them <laughs> lo- love a pork pie hat, though. That's <laughs> true. Both yeah. both of them have collected every. <laughs> Every uh, little person that looks exactly like them. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of a Liberace thing. They collected the most beautiful ones and then made them get plastic surgery to look like them. Oh, God. <laughs> Where does one find that many tiny boater hats? Um, In the North Pole, too. Good but, God. But do you remember? It's the Amazon head, Prime. It's the head elf who tells Santa that he should skip this year because oh, no, nobody cares about uh, Santa Claus. Andrew, what did you have? Uh, I so of course, the abominable snowman as a concept is something that exists independent of these films. It's not an original character, but the way they treated it made it original. Also, the fact that he's a bumble. He's a bumble, yeah. So they took something that was, you know, I'm not necessarily going to say stale, but for the purpose of my category, stale uh, concept, and made it fresh again. So I called this fresh fruitcake. Ooh, I like it. Let's do it. Yeah, fresh fruitcake. All right. Um, <clears throat> Even though it glosses over the darker realities oh, yeah. of the bubble. Yeah. Well, I mean, Which maybe need to be glossed over. It's a little bit of sunshine. I mean, fruitcake is terrible. So every uh, every rebellion gets it wrong a little bit. Yeah. All great civilizations sure. are built on the teeth of bumbles. <laughs> anyway, after violently disfiguring this great beast of the north. Noble creature. Noble creature. The true hero of the piece, Yukon Cornelius. Uh, just goes bonkers and pushes him off a cliff, kamikaze style, and it just looks with all his dogs. With all of his dogs it looks super dark. Like this is a poor I mean, dog. Literally, those dogs didn't do anything. They literally, this didn't is do how anything. you know that. Well, since uh, like my whole thing of nationality, this is how you know that Kelly <laughs> Kelly's an American. Like we watch things die, and she's like, and a dog, a oh, dog might be cold. Oh no, I say this is like one of the whitest things about me is that I know all the dogs on my block, but I don't know all the people on my block, <laughs> which I think really says a lot about me. Like I will definitely talk to the dogs who live in the house behind me, but I won't talk to the person, not for any reason other than she is a human. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I mean, you barely talk to us outside of this podcast because yeah. we're humans and it's you know, a little <laughs> offensive, but you know, we appreciate your time. So, uh, Yukon just goes bonkers and pushes, jumps off a cliff with a bumble. Our, the remaining heroes want to mourn desperately, but Hermie and Rudolph realize, and this is an exact quote, but the best thing to do is to get the women back to Christmas Town. Well, no, it's course. actually put. All the men say that. Oh, true, true, true. Because there's because Donner. Donner's there too. Big Daddy Donner. Big Daddy. Oh God, sorry. Stop. Donner, sorry. who's never gotten anything right in his life, <laughs> and yet he's the head, yeah. head reindeer. It's like he's a jock. You know, he's not supposed to be smart. He's failed up. <laughs> Did anyone else notice that the reindeer that Rudolph replaced was Donner? Whoa. Oh. That was like one of the things that I really keyed in on. I was like, oh shit, Donner's staying behind. And the cat's oh. in the cradle and the silver wow. spoon. Oh my God. <laughs> it really, amazing. That means that Donner is Vader. Fair. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Santa's the emperor. Who's mama? Actually the emperor. Man, there are not a lot of women in Star Wars. <laughs> Oof. Uh, uh, salacious crumb. The end. Go on. Beautiful. Okay, so um, so things look dark, but they head back to Christmas Town, tell the story of their noble friend, and suddenly find acceptance after saving um, Rudolph's family. I guess. Yeah. And uh, and Hermie. And the Hermie. Elf. 
and everything looks like it's going to be great. And then it gets even better, because guess who's still alive, guys? Yukon Cornelius. And the Bumble. And why are they still alive? You know why. Bumble's bounce. Because Bumble's bounce. Oh, Despite the fact that. that we didn't see it. Do you think it's like a bounce? You know when you like bounce a rubber ball, and you like first the first bump is jump like... That they the just fell over and over and over again. It's huge. Do you think it was like that? And then eventually they were just like gently drumming against the bottom of the crevice. Like a couple feet, like enough so that you couldn't get off like eight feet in the air. They're just like, they're just like juggling down there. Do you think that those little dogs are just like jumping on the bumble's belly? I hope so. You know, you can Cornelius was. And then he was like, look at me, dogs. I'm going to do a belly flop. <laughs> and the dogs are like, no! And they give him a doggy thumbs up. And they throw him a beer and it's great. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, they throw him some cornmeal. They throw him some cornmeal and a guitar string. Which he's great. made into hooch. <laughs> oh, yes. In a ham hock. But we're going to... He's drinking it out of a ham hock. Oh. Uh, and they gross. shoot it at him with the gunpowder. <laughs> It it's so, like the best shopping list of all time. Oh, man, Yukon Cornelius, you, you genius. Anyway. The, the end, they kind of wrap up quickly. They do. It was, yeah. it was sort a, of like they didn't, they knew what lesson they wanted to teach, but they didn't actually know how to make that sausage. So <laughs> Sam just kind of glosses and frosts it over. It's like, and then they went back and they told the whole story and people were like, whoa. Yeah, we should. Oh, you're not a mutant. Oh. Well, you are, but we should still we like shouldn't, you. We shouldn't just kill you because we don't really like, like the way you look. Holy right. smokes, racism is bad. Right. <laughs> like, that's the lesson. And I'm glad it's stuck. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Yukon Cornelius comes back with the neutered Bumble, who he has had time to become friends with. So presumably that bounce took a minute. And uh, the Bumble puts the star on top of the tree without a ladder. Everyone rejoices. And all of the freaks 12 inches tall. are embraced. And that's that 12-inch tall tree can't, can't yeah. tell that, that Bumble anything. Yeah. Um, I do like that he's like, look what he can do. And basically yeah. the thing that he can do is he can reach things that like, are high up. Yeah. And they're like, yes, we like, will wow. keep him. Yes, this is we great. will feed him all the pigs in the North Pole to, <laughs> so that he can put the star on the Christmas tree every Santa year. Santa down every couple of months to we'll, get some more pigs. We'll have to mash the pigs into a paste. That really shows you just how, like, oh, that just God. really shows you how labor has changed over the years, yeah. such that, like, a specialized skill like that was so valuable <laughs> versus now when they're, they would be like, so can you also, like, run our Instagram account or something? <laughs> this is, like, very... This is very limited. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So, at the end of the day, everything works out. Uh, you, you know how this ends. There's a storm, but Rudolph has a, a light bulb for a His, nose. His uh, nose is so bright. That it works. Thankfully, Rudolph lives in a world that doesn't involve headlights or flashlights, so his nose turns out to be invaluable. Super valuable, and the social order is maintained. Santa's empire continues for a thousand years. It's great. Um, question. Uh, so, after this, of course, the final act, the final moment is when they go to actually rescue the misfit toys who think they've been abandoned but haven't. And then um, they throw them out of the back of the sleigh. Do you think he's delivering them or throwing them into the ocean? Mm-hmm. He does give them little jolly umbrellas before he chucks them overboard. It's a, I think it's a sick delusion to make them think they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Then they drop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially that boat. <laughs> yep. So um, now that we've completed talking about the seminal Christmas classic, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, let's move on to the seminal New Year's oversight. Uh, Rudolph's shiny New Year. So rightfully forgotten. <laughs> yeah, this is when we start like, we're not off the rails yet, but we're tipping a little bit. Which is funny because when you see this, you feel like you've gone off the rails. Oh, yeah. But then you see the next one and you realize 
the, you're locked tight to the rails <laughs> the duration of this movie. I've been thinking about this because I, I agree it's like gets more and more ridiculous. But and, and I was wondering like is it just because I'm so familiar with the OG Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer story? Like I mean, isn't it also ridiculous? Like he goes to the thing that really stands out to me about this is how quickly they change spots. Mm. Like they like bounce around. All oh, the yeah. We see every like terraform in That's this true, yeah. in this movie, and it's really weird. At least with like, at least with like Rudolph, we're like, you know, we, we're we, in the same. We world. move, but we we're in a world that we recognize and in a place we recognize. Like if you you could like point on a geographical location and be like, this is where Rudolph is. It's the North yeah. Pole yeah. and like the, the surrounding area, like the ocean around it, perhaps. But like this, like. Are we in like we're in the archipelago? Oh God! Uh, like so where is that? Are we like years. are we in Valhalla? Like where where well, are we? Is it, they mentioned okay. Let's let's get let's let's get into it. All right. So uh, Rudolph shiny new year. So we know how Rudolph uh, the red nosed reindeer made it. Uh, you know he had a very shiny nose. He had a very shiny nose. Uh, it was a headlight and allowed Santa to deliver presents slash kill misfit toys brutally over the ocean, uh, and then they returned. So. What happens next, guys? I mean, Christmas is once a year. Uh, Christmas Town, or whatever the hell this place is called, it operates 365. What else goes on? Well, let me tell you, if it's a few days after... Uh, they get leap day off. That's yeah, it. I mean, maybe. maybe. I, I think the elves get Christmas day off, and then they get chained back to their work desks, <laughs> and pop, and the Papa Elf slash Master Elf goes back to banging on a big drum that they have to build toys <laughs> in time too. It is actually a toy drum too, weirdly enough. <laughs> but yeah, so um, this movie posits that, of course, you know, crisis crises don't just happen at Christmas; they happen no. immediately after Christmas too. It's true. <laughs> So um, so here's the setup, guys. So uh, it's it's the dead of the day after the legendary Rudolph run for Christmas presents. Rudolph is beloved and th- people think he's great. Um, Santa's just lounging, rightfully so. He's worked his one day of the year really hard and he has to sit back and chill. Santa Claus gets a letter from his old friend, Father Time, who might only be a year old. That's very confusing. We'll talk about it in a second. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, alerting him to the disappearance of of the baby new year now that seems relatively i mean like babies disappearing is never great but i mean you know we've just conquered racism at the north pole i feel like this is a this seems like a moment of accomplishment which like big daunting things can be taken care of but it feels like a small local news yeah, story like, oh baby missing well we'll help you out but it turns out if the baby new year isn't found the world will n- the new year will never happen they'll be stuck in 1976 forever meaning santa claus will never ever get to deliver any of those weird like Star Wars background character action figures that they came out with because the movie would never be released. <gasps> Dark. Anyway, so um, I guess it's... I, I have to apologize. Some of these last two movies get a little bit fuzzy for me. I believe it's still stormy outside or foggy. Yes, yes. it is. Uh, so Santa's like, you know who can help oh, us? Oh, yeah, who can help us? Rudolph. Rudolph's like, I guess I'm super useful now. I will help. And away he goes. <laughs> so basically, at this point, Rudolph, uh, we kind of have a very aggressive cut. Uh, and Rudolph is wandering through the snow with... Rudolph is walking. Walking. That's an excellent point. That drove me crazy. Walking. You know what You know what these reindeer can do usually? Fly. Which would make this entire movie... This entire movie so... would just be like 10 minutes baby. done. Also, there's so much magic. Found the baby. <laughs> Anyway, so um, on so Rudolph ventures out to save the space-time continuum, apparently, uh, and uh, he initially starts off uh, with a good buddy of his. 
I guess. Good brother of Father Times, Father right? Times. Oh, his yeah. most, one of his most loyal servants, right? General Ticker, that hip-hop icon, General Ticker, who only speaks in rhymes. Oh, my God. The first time I saw him, I was like, this guy's going to be awesome. Oh, he looks yeah. so cool. He looks so cool. And, like, the first time you hear him speak, you're like, yeah, I'm on board for this. But it's then like, he grows so tiresome. So fast. Well, luckily, he's in about two minutes of this movie. <laughs> I know. Done. He's the first oh time we get and and so like he gets ditched. Yeah. <laughs> so immediately. Immediately. Yeah, what of, was he doing out wandering the forest? Well, so I think he I think he makes it with Rudolph to his first stop, <laughs> which is the castle. Why no, did no, he no. leave? Well, first up is the sands of time, which is a desert adjacent to the tundra. Sure. And not like a cold desert? Sure. Like, no. Hot desert. Hot desert, which is also adjacent to the sea, which makes a little bit more sense than the frozen north, but whatever. But, but only <laughs> only like by a hair's breadth. Oh, yeah. Because it's like a desert that drops off into a sea, which yeah. not not real. No. Yeah. So basically, I guess General Ticker is sent to help Rudolph, but does nothing. That's it. Like, that's all I can say about this character. He's just completely useless, basically. He's, well, he looks I mean, rad, but he's terrible and very yeah. annoying after about a minute. To be fair, General Ticker... Is with a deer that's refusing to fly, <laughs> yeah. and and is genuinely asking him, "How are we going to make it across this desert?" Uh, so, what do you guys have for uh, categories for this weird little clock-bellied, mustachioed general? General, <laughs> I called him um, Socks on Christmas. Never the star. <laughs> oh. Very useful. Here's the thing, that Kelly. Socks are very useful. useful. General Ticker is not. Uh, <laughs> never the star, though. He's never, never the star. True, true. Um, I was curious about General Ticker because he, I mean, like, he's given so much, like, hype. Yes. And he seems like he's going to be so important. And then he disappears without a trace that I called it. I might have to take a run at this a couple times. Go for it. So sorry. Yeah. Rankin Bass and Sam Snowman Stern are dead. Because Sam Snowman is the narrator. I realize he's not the narrator in this because Father Time is. But I do think that he's like the master narrator. Mm -hmm. Like Burl Ives trumps everybody else. Yep. No matter what. So we have these two things that seem like they're going to be very important and they disappear Hmm. immediately. And that's having a general ticker. It's a fair point. I want to know what he's doing during this movie. A lot of... Tom Stoppard, you know... (laughs) Get on it. Get on. <laughs> he probably lives a very rich life. I mean, he's, a, he's you know, had a long career, maybe. Uh, so this is the first Tom instance. Stoppard? <laughs> General <laughs> Hey. Like, um, I think Tom Stoppard's doing just fine. You know. I don't I think like, he needs our ideas, but fair, I would love fair. to give him this idea. <laughs> Pass it on to him. Um, so General Tucker is, I think, the first in many instances, or a few instances, where you have a character that is literally just a prop, basically. Like, he doesn't really do anything. He doesn't even really move the, force, the story forward. Do he's think, a prop. He's just there to. For do you looks. think he's just introduced to introduce the idea that we have organic beings that have clocks integral to them? I guess, but there's so many cooler ones. I think it is quite literally some way to get to the desert without Rudolph talking to himself. <laughs> or, or flying. That's, yeah, that's what it Wait, is. Wait, are you yeah. saying that General Ticker is Rudolph's Tyler Durden? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> no, I think um, so. So he's a prop. So I decided, but he's a living being. So I decided to call him Living Nativity. Oh, it's for Christmas. Well, it's like for New Year's, but you know what I mean. All right. So what do we think for uh, categories for El Generalissimo Ticker? I already gave mine. I no, already gave we, mine. But what do you think for oh, winning? What do we pick? Oh, yeah. what do we pick? I think it's the Rosengrads and Gildenstein, which I will not try to pronounce myself. <laughs> 
Because I would... Sam Snowman Stern. Sam Snowman Stern. (laughs) Because I do... So say he is really a general. Mm -hmm. He's probably orchestrating something else on also, the other side. Also, there's going to be like a time coup. Like yeah. the baby New Year is gone. Like what are they going to do? Like his story, I promise you, is as interesting if not more. What yeah. if he orchestrated the loss? Especially if it's written by Tom. <gasps> oh, especially if it's written by Tom Stoppard. We stumbled on something brilliant. What is it? Uh, what if what if uh, General Tigger orchestrated the missing uh, <laughs> what if he baby caper? Put some fake ears on that baby. It's a coup de time to guys. cover his glowing ears. What if that baby came out and he put a bunch of Latisse on that baby's ears, <laughs> and that baby's ears just got real fibrous and long? <laughs> oh God! I want to read that story. Yeah, you win. Take it. Boom. Right. Great. All right. So um, General Ticker, sort of like a like a lame booster rocket, carries Rudolph to the next part of the story. Uh, <laughs> More like. More like a um, non <laughs> proof of non schizophrenia aid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very valuable. Rudolph's had a hard life and a hard hard week. Anyway, so they get to the edge of the sands of time again, a desert adjacent to the North Pole, the Arctic, uh, and they meet the next character on our list, the Great Quarter Past Five. You probably think that's going to be like a real cool tough guy. Nope, it's a camel with a clock for a hump. Who would be voiced by Morgan Freeman? He has a beautiful, like, I'm the great kind of crackly voice that demands respect. Yeah, yeah. So this is what I'm going to say about that camel with clock on its back Mm -hmm. crossing the desert. Yes, is that it's useless (laughs) because its hump is now a clock. Yeah, which means it can't store water, which means he's going to die of thirst. Maybe it's a swatch in the desert. So <laughs> Alternately, there is also there is a reindeer that can fly with him. So also, broken clock on your back, useless to me. Quarter past five. Court. Uh, right. Can right. I call you court? No. No, I prefer you didn't. Oh wait, actually, that's totally cool. I'm a mercurial camel. <laughs> I'm all the court. I'm a casual camel. Uh, I. Uh, he's like, oh, no, call me two pints. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that this camel. Is more like twenty past four. <laughs> I thought this camel seemed very stoned. He kind of rolls up. He's got these half lidded eyes, and he's like, "Yeah, you can ride with me. Whatever. I'm the, I'm the great quarter, quarter past, past top five. What? Uh, see, I just this this thing blows my mind because again, General Ticker is like useless and a prop, but great quarter quarter past five is. The Great Quarter. The Great Quarter Past Five is even more than that. Like, he's just this, like, total absurd thing. Because it, it could be anything. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, it's, okay, what, 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 well, it what, could what, be anything. Well, it had to be. Desert. There's like, someone, someone writing this was like, oh, God, okay, so we, we, they're, they're in a desert. We need to get them across the desert. Uh, Rudolph can fly, but ignore that. Don't worry about that. What are we going to do? Uh, let's get, like, a desert animal with a clock in it. Uh, 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 camel, 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 yeah. I mean, it just could have easily been, like, a, like a, I don't know, like a... <laughs> Um, like a javelina, <laughs> like a sun, just sun tile for a penis. Kind of like the desert animal gets them. It's weird. Wow. Uh, it's noon. Wow. Uh, wow. Anyway, yeah, like it's just such a ridiculous, like someone just said, let's take a camel and cram a clock in it. Go. Um, for the purposes of getting, for, for the purposes of getting across this desert, which led to my category. This is full on, like, you know, what, what do we, we need to do something? Oh, here's a mysterious perfect character for it. So I call this category 
a Deus Ex Machina na 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 na. You motherfucker. <laughs> I have that exact category. Not as him. As another ca- character coming right you on up. You have Deus Ex Machina na 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 na. That is oh. wild. Wild. Who do you, what, what do you have for this category? Um, I put, he is a useless camel, that he is a Christmas sludge. Mm. Christmas sludge. So. You bastard. Still in my categories. <laughs> oh, I think that this is just synergy. It was bound to happen yeah. sooner or later. And it happened. It's all the same puns. It happened. I mean, especially since you guys also went for like Christmassy things. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, just means you guys are both clever. Yeah. Made me laugh. Um, I think that he is kind of a saccharine character, and I think that he is medicated. So I called him Valley of the Schmaltz. That that makes me tickled. (laughs) Yeah, mug drop, mug drop. Oh man! What do do we think, guys? What's what's the verdict? I think yours are better than both of yours fit better than mine does. Both ours, Kelly. Ours. Yeah. Our category. I think that yours is a commentary on the storytelling, which I think is fair. Yeah. But mine is commentary on the specific character. Mm. Which is fair. So if we're really talking about categorizing characters, I think I win. Kelly? Tiebreaker? Mary makes a very good point. Well, Mary? She's all yours. I do think, though, that it is worth mentioning that it does kind of feel like they had like a Dickinsonian... Um, quota that they needed to reach in terms of like creatures. It's almost like in um, He-Man where they're like, just get as many toys in as possible. Just introduce as many characters (laughs) as possible. Like we get a lot of, this is where it really starts going off the rails. Like Rudolph's pretty tight, but this is like, we get introduced a new character every five minutes. Yep. And some of them just go nowhere. And some of them add nothing. It's weird. (laughs) And I would say Great Quarterpast is one of them. Yeah. All right, guys. So Valley of the Schmaltz takes it. Uh, so, uh, continuing the bizarre narrative, uh, our, our heroes are about halfway across the sands of time, riding on the back, uh, the neck, I guess, of the Great Quarter Past Five, because that's the only place you can sit down on this thing that has a very clunky clock in the middle of it. Uh, and lo and behold, the villain of the piece finally appears. Eon the Terrible, a giant vulture? Um, do you think his mom named him that he came out and she's like you're Eon the terrible and he's like what and she's like well that's your dad's your dad's surname we gotta go with it i don't know what to tell you you're the terrible it's your last name actually his his surname is just terrible they decided his middle name was the (laughs) (laughs) he could have just been eon terrible and be like well that sucks for him he sounds like somebody that'd be friends with encyclopedia brown if that was the case yes Um, oh eon poor eon and okay you know so the conceit of eon the terrible is he's a gigantic monster bird who haunts the he's like a big vulture right yeah yeah, just a gigantic vulture who lives for exactly one eon so he's trying to so he did not actually orchestrate the disappearance of baby new year but he's taking advantage of it because if the new year doesn't come the eon which ends in 1976 will not End and he'll live forever. He'll live forever. That's the conceit here. So much like the way the uh, the Bumble wasn't particularly evil, but just wanted to live his life. Eon, not necessarily evil, terrible. I'll grant you, but he just wants to live his life forever. 
so he, just he doesn't want to live forever. I think he's just buckling under the fact that anybody who is born with a built-in expiration date, <laughs> that's got to mess you up. My other note that I wrote was just Eon should smoke and cackle less. just those two things yeah Yeah. he does a lot of cackling which might explain why i immediately bonded with him (laughs) there are two things he does that i also do he cackles yep and when he so we meet eon when he's swooping down on general ticker and rudolph who are perched on the great court and two two pints two (laughs) he's perched on two pint oh i just got it But I immediately bonded with Eon because he, like, swoops down on Rudolph and General Ticker. And then he kind of, like, does, like, this. His, like, feet are, like, up. And then he's just hanging in air. Like, one assumes gliding? Sure. Like a hummingbird held in midair. Yep. His wings are flapping so fast you can't see them. (laughs) His wings are flapping so fast they appear to be completely stationary. And he says, there are betting better pickings elsewhere. He's not going to attack them. And that reminded me of me at a brunch buffet looking at, like, a pile of carbs. I'm like, I'm here for the meat. And I'm here for the free champagne. And anything that gets in the way of those things is no use to me. Get ye waffle to some other mouth. (laughs) I don't want an egg. No, I do not want an egg. How much does an egg cost? Pennies. I want prime rib. Ham. I want ham. I want lamb. You know what I want? I want other meats that rhyme. <laughs> I want a yam. No, I don't. <laughs> That's so filling. <laughs> it's going to get in the way of my meat sweats. Oh, man. I would love to have you guys' categories. Uh, oh, can we talk about what... I guess we're going to talk about what happens to him later. Yes. Okay. Well, my, mine kind of... I, I can introduce mine. I agree. I don't think that there's anything wrong. Like, I, I kind of feel bad for him. And I think his whole plan of getting the baby New Year so that he can live longer is is kind of fair. So I called him self-conservation. Hmm. Fair. Also, I think he's the last of his type. So he's an endangered species. I think it's another one where it's like, and then he another is born. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's only, there's only one eon at a time? I kind of got that impression, but I might be wrong. Uh, he's like a baby boomer blocking up the job market. <laughs> I had him as a bad guy who actually isn't bad. Mm. Same. I agree. Similar to Bumble, yeah. Same. Uh, I, I actually uh, saw more in common with um, King Moonracer in that he is sort of this creepy demigod in the pagan religion of this Christmas-themed world. Uh, so I went with... Uh, j- jingle bell rich horror. Mm. Mm-hmm. I only don't think he's a god. He's definitely like a like a, a, a sort of demigod type figure. I think he's more like a like a a great creature. Like he's like a Siberian tiger. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he's a god. I think he definitely is. He's right. He's the symbol of the eon in which he exists. Why doesn't he get his own island? He has a mountain. <laughs> Where is that mountain? Oh, it's got a goofy name. See? It's like the island I think it's of self no co- time. I think it's self-conservation because I think that he has more in common with like a panda mm. than with like Loki. Pandas are, will- <laughs> Pandas are willing to kill babies to stay alive forever. Pandas, so, Pandas you know. also have very specific needs because they refuse to eat trash like normal bears. <laughs> <laughs> Kidnapping this baby is like eating mambo. I don't think that Eon, given ideal circumstances could seal the deal with a lady eon is what i'm saying just like a panda 
can't. They're showing showing Eon some Eon porn. And then it's not (laughs) happening. It's just right, right, right. Because he's the only one. Right, 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 right. They've made it so comfortable. There's there's plenty of Eon food. And he's just not Eon munchies. (laughs) All right, fair. Self-conservation. Self-conservation. All right. Uh, Right. So uh, we met Eon the Terrible. He startles our heroes, but then ditches because he's too cool for that business. And then our heroes successfully make it to Father Time's castle, which I can't even begin to explain. I don't... It's like there's a a New York uh, Times Square-esque banner, but it's just saying nonsense. And also there's a diamond above it, but it's a tower. I I could not... I could not read that, what they they said. Like, there would be, like, words that would make sense. Like, I would see, like, happy, and then maybe, like, new. But, like, the... Like, the... In terms of sentences, I couldn't... I couldn't make heads or tails of it. It was, like, happy, sheep born, new year, buffalo, hello. That's, like... It's, like, just nonsense (laughs) words. Word suits. Yep. It was, like, uh... It was, like, the replicant test in Blade Runner. (laughs) Right on. Um, So, yeah. So, you get to Father Father Time's castle, and Father Time explains what's happening, and it's bonkers, basically. Um... Can oh. we talk for a second about Father Time's song about him going through time? Yes. And it's basically him showing how in January you start as a baby new year. And how, at the, the end... The avatar of the year. Yeah. Like happy will be. Like and, happy and will be. Father and Time. And there's always a person behind those calendars to hand you a new blue bathrobe. Yes, always. <laughs> when you grow. During the scene, all I could think of is this is the reason why there are no female times. Because basically this woman would get to June, where she's still a teenager, and be like, when are you getting married? When are you going to have a baby? (laughs) And then she's going to hit August and not get married and have a baby. And so they're going to be like, oh, she's a spinster. She can never, she's, she'll never, she's never going to find anybody. Which basically is just like, she's just choosing to live on her own. She's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, I'm sorry. She's choosing to rule the year. Yeah. Yeah. As a as a wise and noble leader, yeah, that is excellent. For context, though, just just to clarify, so the 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 song oh, that Father Time sorry. sings and the story he tells of uh, explaining how time works, I guess, kind is of. that each year a baby is born in January, as Kelly mentioned. Yep, uh, grows to adulthood by the end of the year. Not born in January, just becomes. Just becomes. Yeah, that's that raises a great question. It's just like a passel of babies waiting to be. There isn't because if Happy's missing is is quite. Oh, that's right. A problem. Quite a big, big There's deal. only one of them. So the, yeah, we assume so, they're Jesus. We assume they're born on December twenty fifth. I don't know if that's the case. Again, Jesus doesn't just like Jesus wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we assume we assume that they're trying to steal a pagan holiday, just like Jesus did. Yeah, <laughs> Rudolph the Red Nose Saturnalia reindeer. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, so basically, Father Time's song is about how this each year there's a baby, the baby grows to adulthood in December, and then you find out later all the new the years retire, but it looks like. The implication to me is that each year requires a human sacrifice to continue going on, and then a new one is born. For it is actually sacrifice. quite pagan. Yeah, yeah, it's very pagan, very rad. I mean, it's a great, it's a great, cool, like symbolic concept. But I, yeah, you're right. No lady years. I kind of I run hot and cold on a lot of these original songs. Um, like I think "Silver and Gold" is Snoozeville, and I thought that for yep. my whole life. Like that's the fast forward moment. I actually like this particular song because there's excellent puppet work. So, like, you start with the baby and mm-hmm. then it walks through and there are these calendar kind of, like, I don't know, uh, folding screens that fly by. And yet we mm-hmm. probably know now they're just calendars. 
because they're apparently like this thing is like three inches tall <laughs> and then like the baby crawls behind one then it comes out as like a boy and mm-hmm. then it goes behind that one and it comes out as a young man and it comes out of that one and it's an old man it's great like it's it's excellent it's i would say watching this movie for that scene alone is worth it yeah but we're not talking about Father Time. Sorry. No, no, no. And well, we're not rating Father Time because he is a a creature that exists outside of yep, yep. Rankin Bass's. And I believe the, the the core mythology exists outside of this as well. Yep. Um, but we're talking about uh, Baby New Year. Is named Happy. Happy. So uh, Happy is a little baby, cute as can be. Wears a top hat. Super weird. Whatever. But why? Did it you does wear a top appear hat? that they all wear top hats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the New Year. You got to wear. A, so you're wearing top hats, and then they cast their top hats aside for the, like for a crown, crown, which I really would like someone in the British royal family to like walk me through. <laughs> <laughs> that does not. That feels very, very. The Prince Regent silk top hat. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a. It's like you cast aside your dandy ways to to be a kind and good ruler. I don't know. It's very funny. Oh, that's amazing. If a ruler from, you know, and most of which, uh, most of your rule, you are a child. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, it's probably not actually uh, British because there wasn't like seven men w- waiting to stand by to catch your top hat and then brush it off and then put it away with your special fish forks. But... <laughs> I, we, so, I mean, there were probably seven clocks willing to do that, though. That's true. <laughs> They're like, Matthew Crawley is done with his New Year's hat. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, anyway, so happy, happy's little baby who wears a top hat adorably. But his top hat hides a dark secret. <laughs> he has gigantic ears. And I mean... He has, like, George huge. Bush ears. Yeah. <laughs> and every time Happy pulls off this top hat, which must be uncomfortable because it's crushing these gigantic little saucers on the side of his head... Um, they pop out and everyone around him just bursts into laughter because everyone is rude yep. to a baby. They're terrible to They're that awful. baby. He's a literal baby yeah. that people are basically pointing yep. and laughing at. And at the end, they're basically like, but your ears make us all so happy. That's why we laugh at you. But no. Here's the thing. Not only is he just a baby, he is a baby upon which the entirety of the cosmos yeah. depends. And you're just pointing and laughing so much that he runs away and thus the plot begins. Yep. So I call I think that like Happy is is like hoist is like hoisting himself on a much worse petard by running away and and hiding this and so I think I called him a merc- merciful assist of fate. <laughs> if he just like throws himself on fate alone, pretty great. <laughs> like right. it's all going to work out great. Yeah. That's fair. I um I went with, uh, what did I go with? Where's my list? I went with, all I want for Christmas is me. Because he's aspiring to be a king of time and also a regular-eared person. I called it uh, the Christmas shoes. Oh, woe is me. <laughs> Please help. I, I am downtrodden. I think it's the Christmas yeah. shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the Christmas shoes. Because like I, I don't think he's actually aspiring to be the king of time. He's running away. Yeah. And yeah. instead of finding Timon and Pumbaa, He's just being a little crap monster to everybody. Yeah, except for Eon. And he doesn't get his diaper changed once this oh. entire movie. And he's in water a lot. Oh, oh. God. He is... Those do not look like swimmers. No. <laughs> no, those are cloth. Those are cloth. It, it was 19 Wonderful. They didn't have swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, there we go. Christmas shoes. Cri- Christmas shoes. Christmas right. shoes. Um, he just... Pooping into a white kid. Oh, <laughs> Go for it. 
Um, so, uh, so once again, our heroes venture forth. Cause there's a lot of venturing forth. I apologize for the repetition. There's, so much. there's all they do. Basically, this movie is just like then they ventured forth to the location that allowed them to venture forth further, and then yeah. they ventured forth again, and then due to a twist of fate. They, they ventured, ventured forth. forth. <laughs> but I guess specifically, I say our heroes, but actually our hero, singular, Rudolph, ventures forth to the uh, archipelago uh, yeah. of Lost Time, which is how Father Time pronounces it for most of the movie. Not all of the movie. Not all the movie. Somebody's like, it out who, at the last instance. who lives in all these archipelagos? Well, let me tell you about the residents of the archipelago of Lost Time, <laughs> which is somewhere in the far north, but it again has every climate possible. It's and fine. also. Um, yeah, so the, the residents of the archipelago yeah. of Lost Time are all of the previous years. So every time, again, I think we mentioned the idea that uh, when a year retires, they get to go to their personal island. This is where all those islands are. I just want to point out real quick that this is also the premise of Mormonism. <laughs> Whoa. That's really true. Infinite, you spend your life. Infinite heavens. Living your, one, your, your life. life. And yeah. then you get your own private planet. Mm. Fascinating. So each island uh, is a home to a previous year and is thematically oriented to, uh, I guess, that year's desire, things that are of that time, mm-hmm. which leads to all kinds of amazing things. Shenanigans. Um, like so, an arch full of pelicans. <laughs> pelagos, I believe is how it's pronounced. They're pelicans on the go. They're like working girl pelicans. <laughs> pelicans. Okay. So once again, um, Rudolph literally flies to the edge of the sea. Yep. Right to the edge of that sea. Upon which you would embark to get to the archipelago. How does he get there? <sighs> By he boat. flies. He flies. Yeah. Gets on a boat. Yep. Then he gets on a boat to get to the islands. Uh, gets a little bit lost because, you know, there's a lot of islands, as we'll find out in a minute. Do you think he's like a sprinter, not a marathon runner? Like, he's like, I'm not going to go over that ocean because I might crash he, down and I mean, die. Here's they, the, he can fly over the entire world in an evening. He leads that. With but they eight other reindeer. Yeah. yeah. But they talk a lot about how, they don't talk a lot, but they kind of call it leaps. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if they're just big leaps sort of like as origi- opposed to yeah. flying. Like original if, Superman. So yeah. if there was like a giant exactly. deer-sized yeah. lily pad, he'd be fine. Yeah. Like yes. he, if, if we just placed those. If there was a chain of islands near each other. If near each other, maybe he could have. Or like maybe... Um, a what pla- is that word? Uh, or like a plastic landmass the size of Texas that he could touch down <laughs> on briefly and leap off a bunch of Tropicana bottles <laughs> towards... South America. Tropicana yeah. and Zima bottles, because it's been going on for ages. Anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, Rudolph sailing in a boat with a calendar for sale, because, you know, they're really sure. on theme for this whole experience. Uh, anyway, so he's sailing around, and obviously there's no idea where he's going, because he's a, he's a damn reindeer. He doesn't know how to sail a boat. He barely knows how to fly, apparently. Anyway, so, but luckily, luckily, much like the great quarter past five came along to get across the desert, a new friend appears, oh. Big Ben, a whale with a clock in its tail. This clock tells time. Yeah, this clock actually works. And um, This clock is a swatch. Yeah. And uh, at one point, I think Big Ben's best line is, look at my clock. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. He says that at an amazing point. I oh, <laughs> was quite disturbed by Big oh, Ben. Man. I will also say... There was another weird biblical reference in this. Oh, when he crawls in his mouth like yeah. Noah? Like, well, to be fair, Noah. Jonah. Yes. Noah had an ark. <laughs> Different water-based biblical thing. Noah entered his watercraft willingly. Jonah got yeah. swallowed forcibly. Yeah. Oof. 
But it is kind of a combination because uh, <laughs> yeah. Rudolph goes just right on in. Not even a not even a worry. He just steps uh. right in and lights up his nose so he can take a little peep around. Yeah. See what's going on in Big Ben's teeth. <laughs> to yeah. be fair, I'm dying to know. I wanted him to like look and like see like Big Ben's kidneys. <laughs> I was looking for organs. Oh man! Why is he walking all the way down there? Mm. Get out of there, Rudolph. He's <laughs> Rudolph. Yeah, you're tickling but, me. But of course, get, that's such, it's such a bizarre scene because he gets Rudolph. Get in my mouth a little bit faster. Gets in his mouth. Ha ha! <laughs> 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 he starts trying to talk to him, but of course, Rudolph's inside his mouth, so you can't hear anything. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. and Rudolph's like, what? <laughs> so he's in there, and eventually this goes on for it feels like a. a that's okay because he just said, ha 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 ha. Yeah, exactly. But like he was for like a few minutes of this weird dialogue between these two characters, like, "Oh, you can't hear my mouth. Maybe you should get out of my mouth." Ha ha! And he gets out of his mouth and gets on top of him, which is a much more spacious ride, and also presumably actually less damp than being inside <laughs> than his being mouth. Inside. But oh no, guys! Eon the terrible comes along, and Big Ben heroically, because he's a whale, blasts Eon with his jet of water. Yep, he's great. What do you guys think about Big Ben? Big Ben is Bagger Vance. <laughs> Big Ben is by far the most talented and can-do member of any of these movies that I can tell. Potentially even more so than Yukon Cornelius. He gets mm. real results. Like he does, he says he's going to do something and he does it. But he is like a sidekick at best. Mm. And he basically just kind of like helps out Rudolph and the other like definitely white people that he runs into. He's um, an animagical, which is what Rankin-Bass categorized their animation style, their particular brand of stop-motion animation. He is an animagical Negro. So I said he was a cryptozool of the oppressors. Hmm. All right. I went on a similar tack where he does everything, does make, it just works for him. So this was the one that I called... Do sex, mahina, na 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 na. <laughs> hey, me mm-hmm. too. Hey. Let's say it together. Deus ex machina, na 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 na. Yeah. Well, I can't fight synergy. Fair. All right, so Deus ex machina, na 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 na. So let me ask you. Let me pose a question to you guys. How many islands do you think are in the archipelago of Lost? I keep choking on that word. Oh, it's terrible. Archipelago how many, uh, of Lost. How many years have we had? Well, I mean, like, presumably an infinite amount. That seems like a lot, but, you know. Well, we st- we know what the first one is. The first one. An island inhabited by a man named 1 million BC. Which means, let's be clear here, that there are at least a million islands. At the very least, at a million a islands. Yeah. It's like, just, to start a million yeah, islands. Happens to be the first. Uh... Yeah, he's the very first, right? Yep, I mean, if we if we do the math, it's one million one thousand nine hundred and seventy five. Right? Oh, because it's like oh, because of BC. Yeah, BC. Yes, yes. AC. Uh, nerd. Uh-huh. God. Oh yeah, me and uh, my. <laughs> I actually have to subtract two thousand from that. So uh, yeah. anyway, uh, there's a lot of islands, and this one is populated by a really cool little caveman who, who hangs out with dinosaurs. Who is definitely Jewish. Yes. <laughs> Uh, dinosaur inhabited island with a little cave fella who just likes having a good time, you know. And I, one thing that's really interesting is that you know there's at least a million plus islands, but the first one Rudolph and Big Ben go to 
has happy on it and it's 1 million bcs or om to be fair it's probably the first island in the chain that's fair that's fair so um we'll we'll speak about that in a second what do you guys think about om or 1 million bc 1 million bc is creationist porn (laughs) (laughs) it is a man playing and hanging out with dinosaurs all day well to be fair wouldn't he he be called 6000 bc if that was the case (laughs) the other day dinosaurs are real didn't you know they're also dragons That's a thing. Is that a thing? That's a thing. man. Yeah. I mostly considered during this part what other more modern islands would be like. Like, I'm imagining just like a happy little 80s island just full of Palmer girls and blow. (laughs) Like, that's what, that's what like 1984 (laughs) is doing with his, with his island. 1992 is filled with lots of flannel and grunge. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And like Kurt Cobain is the king. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dirty (sighs) island. Um, 2001 is a dark year. But I think that they majorly glossed over the reality of this. Supposing that this thing could exist. Majorly glossed over, like, the reality of, like, what a caveman would think if it saw these creatures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think would be to, like, cudgel them to death. So I felt like they kind of, like, trimmed him up and I thought it was, like, a little bit anti-Semitic that they made him quite so Jewish. Yeah. That was weird. To me, it meant, meant like he's still an outsider to this world, but he's like a gentle outsider who's for our comedic relief. So I called him neuter over nature. I think that they hmm. decided to like geld him to put him in this world. And definitely the dinosaurs, which are like, mm-hmm. their claymation isn't even very good on them. Yeah. Because yeah. they are claymation. Also, I'd like to point out that the dinosaurs did laugh at the baby. after the baby saved one of their babies yeah to be fair dinosaurs shouldn't know about any of this because they're giant stupid reptiles what context is a dinosaur the concept of a dinosaur being like my babies is not real (laughs) like look at that little human ears they're huge (laughs) let's laugh what are ears i don't know i'm a dinosaur i'm giant thank god i had jesus to teach me about appropriately sized ears (laughs) yeah thank god Oh man! So I I had a similar thought where like the 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 way this works is like a time travel adventure just is weird and dumb. Um, so I said, Doctor Who approved this. Oh, <laughs> I um, called him a filler ornament. He's not one of the pretty ornaments that's up in the front, but he's on the tree still. Mm. Right, right. He's like a he's like a candy cane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just kind of there that you stick on. I feel like that yeah. kind of that's really does kind of sum it up nicely. He's just yeah, he's more than General Ticker, who's just like garbage prop, but he is like. But who has a story that I do well? I kind yeah. of care about. I kind of see. I had to come up with multiple versions of like first. I had to sort out like who is a bit character mm-hmm. and who is just filler. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I I would actually like to stump for mine in that case because I do think that he's like he's he's just one more, but like the. The reality of him had to be dumbed down so much so that he could be filler. Hmm. As opposed to just being like, well, we're introducing a new character and his idea is kind of silly. Like, a ca- we're talking about a literal caveman. <laughs> I could who try. invented time. I get that. I, like, that is a yeah. fascinating story. Yeah. He's like, he should be the most kingly of all of them or shunned like Caliban. Like, he's a <laughs> wild creature. All right. Yeah, you're right. Good stuff speech. Thank you. Fair. 
All right. Uh, Andrew, your time will come with that category. It'll come very soon. Yeah. It'll come the next six six characters. (laughs) Every next category. Uh, All right. So moving on to the next character, Sir Tin Two Three. Now, this is weird because I feel like the the servants of Father Time have like like times as their names, like quarter past five. Uh, Tin Two Three, though it's pronounced as though it were a time, it is actually a Sir One Thousand Twenty Three, is in the year mm-hmm. One Thousand Twenty Three. So it's confusing. Um, I don't care for Sorry, it. Guys. Uh, what's more confusing is everything about <laughs> everything Sorry. about him. I want to step on you, Do but it. I want to say that, Sir. I want to point out that Nineteen Seventy Six is a year after Monty Python and the Holy Grail came out. Oh, which explains Ten, <laughs> ten to Three. A lot more, I think. It does. He does. He's, he's very, very, he's very, very python With his python. sort of nebulous British-esque accent. Yeah. And he's also a walking suit of armor with a red beard. He's yeah. also a redhead. <laughs> yeah. Which I think points us to he is very awesome. And in this movie, the most awesome thing you can be is the most tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I think he is. He's very tolerable in this, yeah. and he's really strong. Yeah. His feats of strength over the course of this film are crazy. Also, what did he do? He, like, pulls... I can't totally remember, but he, like, pulls them up the mountain or oh, okay. something like that. He does something crazy with his with his strength. So it's important to understand, um, so t- Sir Tintu Three is, is a, is a pseudo-armor with beard who lives <laughs> on an island in which every fairy tale... Is that's true. That's the year where all the fairy tales happened. Yeah, that's, and that's the actual logic. The idea here is that in the year 1023 AD, I assume every fairy tale was real. Goldilocks, uh, Rapunzel, uh, definitely creepily Rumpelstiltskin. Oof. Oof. Ugh. Do without that one. Cinderella's there. Cinderella's there. They're one assumes Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater, but we just didn't yeah. see it because it's too dark. We saw Little Miss Muffin. Uh, Muffet. Muffet. Yeah. We saw Humpty Dumpty. All the greats. Yeah. yeah. I did like Humpty Dumpty's. Yeah appearance yeah. yeah but it really begs a very severe question a very rather very serious question if all the fairy tales existed in 1023 what happened in 1024 i don't know but i guarantee you it was the the fault of baby bear <laughs> the worst character <laughs> yeah. in any of these damn movies baby bear is bad <sighs> Oof. Um, Baby Bear, Bear sucks. Yeah, I I almost put him on the list, but he's, he's a character that exists in a different context. Uh, basically, is it he's Red, Red Skelton, Skelton doing a voice? It's just, uh, I'll take, <laughs> I, I, it's like imagine you know I, that was incomprehensible noise that Kelly and I made together, but that's what he talks like. Yeah, we're not talking about Baby Bear. Though. No, we're, we're just touching down on Baby Bear because he cannot go unnoticed. Yep. in yeah. his horribleness, we're talking about ten two three. Ten two three. Yep. What do you guys think about ten two three? I called him a breakout star. Oh, I would watch like a whole cartoon series about him just like handling municipal issues with fairy tales. <laughs> like like kind of like a Parks and Rec with him just dealing with stupid fairy tale creatures. I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, fair. I want a different tact. I call him a fruitcake. He's a throwaway. Mm. Oh, I think he's amazing. He's like the only character I would want to get a drink with in this movie. <laughs> And want to go to drink with them. Eh? He's tolerable. He doesn't. He's not obnoxious. He doesn't. He. Well, he's shouting out of a knight's helmet. I mean, like you gotta. It's better. Than, and you know what? And you know what? He never. He never complains about it though. He's not like. And as you know, I can't see. As you know, I'm just a beard. As you know, this is welded shut. Yeah. 
He doesn't. He just kind of like, he's like, this is my deal. And also, he's the only one that like invites them to the island and is like, well, let me show you around. This is my island. These are my yeah. people. I yeah. rule them. That's like, fair. You're right. He's, I think he's pretty, well, but like he seems, he seems like a, like a mayor-esque figure, but like a fair one. Yeah. Unlike the one we're coming up on next. Oof. Yeah. Uh, well, my category for 1023 was actually Doctor Who approved this because, man, I feel like the idea of cramming all these fairy tales in felt weird. But now that you've talked about it, Mary, I'm kind I of think, leaning. Yeah. Mary is Yeah. yeah. Although I do wonder where did they get all. Like, they must have inherited all these puppets oh, from I'm somewhere. Sure. And they were yeah. like, we got to do something with them. Yeah. Well, it's like a, I, it's like it's like a library getting a bunch of National Geographic. They're like, uh, I guess. Not again. Mm-hmm. Not again. I, guess. I guess we'll use them. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure we'll use them. They did not. For you. They did not yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> they used them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, so uh, the ears come out again, then laughter, then tears, and the whole world rests in the balance. Happy ditches once again, but Eon finally catches up with him and snatches a little weirdo right up. Luckily, our heroes decide to save him by, again, blasting Eon with a jet of water while he's holding the most important baby in the universe. And he drops that baby. Luckily, Eon always seems to be flying around Big Ben, who's the only one who seems to know how to, like, deal with that old crabby bird. Big Ben's the best. Yep. Um, He's the only one that actually gets results. So they knock the baby loose, and luckily... Luckily, he floats due to his hat. He uses his diaper as his a diaper parachute. diaper as a parachute. And Which does not make sense because it must be full Ooh, of excrement. Very heavy. Luckily, guys, <laughs> Ben Franklin is there to save him. By Ben Franklin, I mean 1776. Not Ben Franklin. <laughs> but Ben Franklin. But Ben Franklin. Yeah, literally 1776 uh, lives on an island where every day is the 4th of July. But like in 1776, which seems like a much darker... His island is a nightmare. It's like... Main Street, USA, in the Magic Kingdom, all the time, oh. and it's always the Fourth of July, There's and people are just marching and singing and marching and singing and setting off cannons and singing. It's terrifying. He's flying a kite with a uh, key on Kiana. it because, of course, he's actually Ben Franklin. He's just like redoing all of Ben Franklin's uh, experiments constantly. I thought he was very, very frightening. This is like this is the worst, especially considering he's in charge of. All of the year for everybody, yet is very, very America focused. Given his incredible bias towards uh, America, I called him Manifest Charlton Hestony. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. I said I said fresh fruit cake because it's a re- it's a refreshing take on Ben Franklin <laughs> as a Terrifying. as a mad ruler. Yes. That mad temporal despot Ben Franklin. The only thing I can hope for, and, and I think this might be so, I kind of imagine that like that in these worlds, all of their like their their um, populace, the people who like live in the island with them, aren't really real. Hmm. They're just sort of like props and dummies. Man, that like, makes this comment much darker. Which was, if it was really Ben Franklin, that means he slept with every lady on that island. Multiple, multiple times. <laughs> I called Ben Franklin, hashtag, hashtag, slash, uh, 1776, a filler ornament. Mm. It's just there. I think he's Charlton. Manifest Charlton yeah, Heston. Charlton. He fills me with dread. Mm. Yeah. He's, yeah. He can't be a filler just because he frightens me too much. Well, that's the last new fresh character from this movie. Let's, uh, let's just wrap see it up. how it ends. All right. So basically, uh, Eon takes, so uh, while on the island during the daily parade, uh, <laughs> 
1776 encourages Young Happy to remove his hat in honor of the uh, flag, the flag so he can be a proper patriot. He does, and then his ears are exposed, and shame ensues. Eon, ever the opportunist, takes advantage of the situation, kidnaps Happy, takes him to the island of no time, or the mountain of no time. Sure. Eon's home. Um, Nest. Most shockingly... You might as well just call it Mount Crumpet. (laughs) Most shockingly, Father Time finally says archipelago, like a damn adult. Um, (laughs) Then the heroes find the island, get buried in snow, because it's terrible there. Uh, Rudolph snows... An adorable little funny snowball. Perfect little round snowballs. Uh, then Rudolph's nose, which uh, is apparently an incandescent bowl, because it not only does it Shines light so bright. up, it gets very hot enough to melt the snow. Not it's gotta sick. be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's terrible. He finds happy. Uh, and then, then I kid you not, the trees and snowflakes on the island tell Rudolph's story to happy. Sing, Sing Rudolph's snow. The yeah, trees and snowflakes specifically, uh, because Rudolph's too modest to tell his talk about his greatness. And as we this pre twenty four hour news cycle, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know. Why would Happy know? The trees and the snowflakes are on the cutting edge. Yeah. They're like watching the vines about (laughs) Rudolph, so they know. Hey. Uh, (laughs) uh, Trees. Vines. So, of course, Happy, who is a baby, hadn't heard of him. Uh, Happy learns confidence via Rudolph's selfish explanation of why his own uh, freakish upbringing. To be fair, Rudolph's nose gets a lot of play in this movie. I mean, like, it, it kind of all leads up in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but, like, I feel like every time a new character is introduced, they're just introduced so they can be like, oh, no, it's dark outside. <laughs> or What are we gonna <laughs> do? And then Rudolph is like, I may, may I be of assistance? Hello Yeah, it, also, we have yet to talk about the sound that Rudolph's nose uh-huh. makes. Yeah. The sound of ozone burning. <laughs> yeah. It's a hot nose, guys. It's hot. It's okay. not good for not the sexy. environment. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> Rudolph continues to burn fossil fuel to power his nose. Uh, keeps things hot. Uh, um, so Rudolph convinces Happy to take off the hat, be loud and proud, show off those discs by laughing at him and telling him it just makes me so happy to laugh at your, your dopey ears. And the baby loves it because babies are dumb. <laughs> Anyway. Well, I think finally... the stupidest thing. Mary, your face is stupid, but you know what? It makes me really happy to laugh at it. Doesn't that make you happy? It makes... I just can't get over the fact that Happy's, like, problems are so, so minimal. And, like, will go away so fast. Like, he just has to make it a year where she will probably grow into his ears. And then he can go and live in an island full of people who have bigger ears than he does if he wishes because he gets to... He gets to conscript them into anything he wants. What would his island be like? Oh my god, what if they're all slaves? <gasps> what if everyone has no Ooh. ears and everyone can't hear and he's the only one Guys, what if that all... can hear, so he is their king. What if all the residents of the island are actually clockwork beings? I kind of think they are. I kind of think Nightmare. that they're all like, it's a small <laughs> world. That's why there are all those parades. Oof, creepy. Anyway, so... Um, and little like motif scenes. So Happy pulls off his ears. Eon sees it and he laughs. Pulls off his ears? Pulls off his hat. Sorry, thank you. Eon sees it and laughs. That would fix all of our problems. <laughs> if he could have done that. Yeah. Eon sees it and laughs for the first time in his entire life, which is crazy because he's super old. Hoisted on his own guffawed. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, you know what? I'm chill now. 
get out of here, baby. It's gonna be alright to thus, die. Yeah, thus sealing his fate. <laughs> like, well, we don't really know. I mean, like, uh, I, I kind of feel like he's a, a Bond villain. I kind of feel like he's a Bond villain coming and going because he doesn't ever like confirm his kills. But he also, we don't confirm his kill. Yeah. Well, I think Rudolph does mention the idea that now that he's laughing, he's cured. Because how can you die yeah. if you're happy? False. I, guess, I don't know. I guess he's... I mean, maybe wait, he, we have to wait till we're miserable to die? Yeah. That sounds awful. Maybe maybe Eon's just cured of the burden of living. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Regardless, uh, to save the baby, they save the baby, but Big Ben's clock rings midnight, meaning that, oh no, it's the new year. We didn't Which I think it. he says, look at my... That's when he that's says... That's when he says, ha, look, look at my, my clock. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's like, you guys deserve Good. it, because you can't get results in a timely fashion. And yeah. then Rudolph says, and I swear to you, we need to get him back. By the twelfth bong. No, there must be some way to get back to Father Time's castle before the twelfth bong. And then bong. great, and then great court shows up and is like, "Did someone say bong?" <laughs> anyway, in a shocker, in a surprise move, Santa pulls up with his sleigh, which he could have done at any point. Because he sees you back. when you're sleeping. He knows yeah. when you're awake. He knows, he knows when you're just sulking about your stupid ears. Exactly. Picks him up, gets them back before the twelfth bong, and everything works out great. That's the story. End of the movie. Yay. Happy. Rudolph does mention that it should be a a shiny new year in 19 Wonderful. Guys, our heroes have done a lot. They fought racism. They fought the terror of anti-dental sentiments. And all in a week. In a week. My God. And and one of the busiest weeks of the year. I mean, the holidays are a hectic time, especially if you're in the North Pole. And they've saved a holiday and they've saved the space-time continuum. It's really pretty impressive resume since Rudolph's a baby. Since Rudolph is like weeks, months, or years old. And, you know, Hermes, amateur dentist, he's not even in this one I'm talking about. Um, uh, But... You know, and you might you might think to yourself, well, I guess that's going to be that's it, right? All the adventure is done. Life is normal. Things are great. No, guys, things are not great in the North Pole. Things are so bad. In fact, it takes nearly two damn hours oh, to God. explain it's what is going on. And Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Let's talk about this terrible movie. Let's get into those yeah. characters. Let's first off start talking about some of the worst characters in the trilogy, the Frosty family. Uh, this movie opens with in the North Pole. Uh, summertime it's just a balmy negative 10 degrees according to frosty the snowman who has taken up residency with his family his wife crystal and his uh twin son and daughter millie and chili uh, all of whom are the dumbest things in the world especially those stupid children oh my god and just clear i mean when i say dumb i don't mean like oh it's dumb to like frosty i mean like frosty is an idiot i and his family's dumber feel bad for okay i feel like frosty sounds like he suffered severe head trauma oh man yeah, so they want to go to the beach and they have to figure out a way to get there because Frosty's reasoning was all children should see fireworks at least once. I'm pretty sure that, it's that you can set off fireworks in snow. His <laughs> entire family is totally useless. Oh my god, yeah. I kind of, actually, I disagree with that only because Mrs. Frosty does l- delivers some sick burns. She does. <laughs> Mrs. Frosty is a little bit savage and I think a little bit trolling her whole family. She's like, oh, the beach, we should go, everybody. Frosty, make it happen. She's kind of one of those like <laughs> commanding wives who the husband's like, but honey, they don't, they don't make a pink Mercedes Benz. And she's like, well, they would if that you loved me. <laughs> Figure it out. But that's like saying, 
uh, honey, we should go to a lo- to a volcano for a vacation. And not like honey, honey I like, want to go inside a volcano for our honey, vacation. We'll we'll die. And he's like, honey, we're mortal and liable to die. It's like, well, not if you have the power of true love. Not if yeah. you really loved me, Frosty. <laughs> Uh, how are his wife and children, you know, come to life? Are they well, just... I, I he, don't actually... Know. I feel like they tell you that he makes them. Like, it's Pygmalion. <laughs> and you can imagine... Wow. You can imagine uh, Mrs. Frosty, like, becoming conscious and sort of aware of the world. And then, like, noticing that Frosty keeps adding snow to her bosom from her <laughs> waist and being like, um... I have an existential crisis now. I am married to an absolute pig. I better demand that he take me to the beach. (laughs) Take me to the beach to die. Because life is hell. I'm a snow person. To be fair, Frosty's keeping them like completely naive to the ways of the world. Yeah. He's been there. He's seen it. Well, we assume he's. Pl- I mean, he's played tag with kids once. I don't. Know, I don't know how. I don't know how savvy he is either. He's a jolly happy soul. What uh, What categories do you guys have for these 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 sad <laughs> caricatures of people? Socks on Christmas. Oof. Yeah. Um. I said the merciful assists of fate. Like they're snow people. They should stay in the snow. They don't. They don't. <laughs> like they should just. They should just allow fate to play out their course. There's no reason for snow people to go to the beach. Yeah. Well, turns out, as we find out later in the film, uh, Frosty's uh, life-bringing hat has a deeper magic than you'd expect. Uh, they're tied to a much more primal source of energy. So he, while not a Christmas elder god, is uh, sort of an avatar for Christmas elder gods. Thus, I gave, and also horrifying, so I said, Jingle Beldrich horror. Yes. Yep. Finally. Yeah. Yes. You yes. Have it. yes. You may finally have it. I think so. Oh I think god. it was a huge mistake not to make their hat connect with Happy's hat. But oh my god, right? Oh, there's so many. Uh, that's not good. That's not yep. good too much into it. But yeah. All right. So you know, you might think just based on the conversation we had, this is a fairly benign movie about some snow people and a reindeer who want to go to the beach. Oh no, no, no! This the first fifteen oh. minutes of this movie feel like a J.R.R. Tolkien story like it's just there's dragons there are fantasy wizards there is a woman who is also the aurora borealis summing it up is an impossible task but you know it's big it's big but does end up being a trip to the beach anyway (laughs) um the thing that makes it big is the central villain of the piece of uh, a, a wizard slash king named Winterbolt, who we find out was the ruler of the North uh, many, many, I guess, eons or centuries ago, and was quite a and for a long for time, a long time long was time. like a really like the established villainous. They character. tell us that he's bad, but they don't really tell us why he's bad. I don't think he's actually very bad. He's his if he's evil, he's the lamest evil. But, right, but the narrator tells us that he was oh, like yeah. a dictator and he ruled. The world, but I, I think the narrator has been chowing down on the Santa propaganda, yeah. so not reliable. The North has never been free, I think is the upshot to that lesson. But anyway, so Winterbolt uh, drives away all the animals uh, who live in the North Pole, and he's, he's apparently really cruel and mean. Um, but then Lady Boreal comes and uh, casts him to sleep. And for Lady Boreal a long time. is the Northern Lights, yeah. but she becomes a woman specifically to battle, battle Winterbolt. Winterbolt. And stays a woman for a long time and to, as, maintain, to maintain her her, her, control, her control over Winterbolt. Around. So I know I kinda I kinda jumped ahead a little bit to cover two characters there, but let's talk about Winterbolt and Lady Boreal. 
God bless Winterbolt. Oof. He is the one that makes this all so watchable. He's a true fascinating villain. Yeah. Um, and the things he does and the the action that he creates is amazing. Also, every he's got such style. Like when, everything he has and is and owns looks amazing. Looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. He has this ice staff that holds a genie yep. that is never explained. He's just like a genie of the ice staff. And then it comes out and it's just like two ice shards knocking together with evil teeth yeah, being like, like, what is your wish? An evil wall is his genie. And it, it is looks amazing. So cool. Uh, Lady Boreal freezes him into a bed, which when he finally does get loose... Which, he... that's nice of her. Comfortable. Yeah. 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 She just puts him to sleep like Snow White. He punches through the fro- the frozen bed like um, the Lady of the Lake yeah. thrusting Excalibur from the ice. It is amazing. Yeah. I love him. Plus, he has these two storm dragons that oh apparently create the storm from... Um, the first movie. Rudolph. The first movie. Yeah. As well as all the storms. And they look crazy. The one that is sort of that is cool. It does expose the one weird weakness of Winterbolt and that is all of his schemes are very storm centric. He's That's kind of true. a one trick. But you know what? He manages to cause havoc at the beach too. So he doesn't really <laughs> yeah. need any of these props. He he's got it. He's yeah. got it. And his one his one thing, his one downfall is that the only thing he aspires to be is Santa. Yeah. Yeah, basically his evil scheme is to replace Santa Claus so that people like him. <laughs> and then they become dependent upon him, and he rules the world as though it was his snowball. Yeah. That's a quote. Um, anyway, so what, what categories do you guys have for Winter Bolt and for Lady Boreal? I called him a breakout star. I would watch, I think he's the only reason to watch this movie, yeah. actually. Well, there are two reasons to watch this movie. Yeah. He is, he's absolutely one of them, and I would watch, like, kind of a He-Man she-ra version um with him as skeletor any day of the week where he's like curses and like is constantly getting foiled by like lady boreal as a she-ra character i care so much more about that war than any other part of the story fair yeah yeah you're not wrong it's like norse mythology Mythology. it's like actually interesting as opposed to the like the the mashugana that frosty and rudolph are going to get up to it's really a crazy contrast uh i had um so this is an interesting moment in this movie this happens a couple of times particularly in uh christmas in july where there are characters and i'll give you i'll concede that winterbolt is like what makes this movie he's if anything does make this movie he's the best but he also is kind of he's just a better version of winter warlock from santa claus is coming to town i believe uh with burgermeister meisterberger the one who gives that's true, although like they might have actually even not... reused the puppet to make him. That's he looks possible. so much like him. He and does. that's not that's not an insult to Winterbolt, he... but I think it is notable notable. I do kind of like that Winterbolt just gets to be bad and has a confirmed end. Yeah, just yeah. evil. Yeah, no no redemption. There's no redemption for him. He's a bad guy and he gets his just desserts yeah. at the end. That's kind of ballsy for a children's yeah, movie. That's true. My, my category, though, because... And speaks he's... to his strength as a character. That he that could happen to him. Yeah. That he doesn't need to get his teeth ripped out at the end. Oh, God. Oh, um, God. Poor Bumble. Yeah. But my category for this, because of the reuse, is uh, re-gift. Re-gift. Mm. Um, I just called it coal. He's bad. <laughs> it's not yeah. good at Christmas. He can be a breakout star. I think yeah, he's a, he's a breakout, he's a breakout star. star. Yeah. North right. mythology. Breakout I would star. like to mention one last thing. 
Please. that we have not touched upon with Winterbolt yet. That instead of having reindeer, oh yes, he has rain snakes. Oh, man. That is a really charming aspect oh. of Winterbolt in that. He wants to be Santa, and he's even going to copy, like, Santa's shtick. Yeah. But he's going to do it his way, yeah. which yeah. is off-putting. So he's going to use rain snakes, and he says, slink away, slink away, slink away on. Also, there's a great battle scene between Rudolph and one of the snakes, which is amazing and weird. Also, the snakes look like sperm, so there's that. They, they do really they look yeah. But only from, behind, only from behind. They super do. And they also laugh at one point, and they, they go... go Oh, it's great. Break a star for Winterbolt. What do we think about... So uh, we didn't talk about Lady Boreal that much. You guys have any uh, thoughts? I mean, she's kind of a... They don't really give her a lot of room to breathe as a character. I feel like she is so important that they don't... Like, it's like breakneck, like, yeah. where they go yeah. through her. Um, what I thought was kind of cool about her, and actually, there aren't a lot of women in either of the other movies, no. and this movie is chock full of some latest. wild women, which yeah. kind of is a shame that it's probably the least I watchable. I think she's really cool, and the thing I like the best about her is that she is, at the very beginning, at the very beginning, he is like, oh, so Winterbolt, says, she says to him, like, I have become a human form so that I can take care of your business because mm-hmm. you're out of control, sir. And he's like, oh, so you're going to trap me forever? And she says, nothing is forever. Yeah. I can't trap you forever, but I'm going to do my best to keep you at bay as long as I can. And I like that because at the end of it, they kind of imply that she dies, but she was always the Aurora Borealis, yeah. and yeah. then she goes back to being the Aurora Borealis. She's just not in human form anymore. Yeah. So I thought that that was really cool. So I gave her a self-conservation. I was like, she understands that, like, the laws and and problems of these, like, lesser deities are important in the moment, but she mm-hmm. sees a long game. She's like, it's important for me to exist. I yeah. have been around for a long time, and these things are fleeting. And so I'm going to conserve myself. Yeah, I think also it's worth noting, one, one key plot point uh, to point is, so Winterbolt cast the storm from the first movie to stop Santa Claus, to cancel Christmas, so that he can become Santa Claus eventually. Bit of a convoluted plot, but that's a scheme. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's that's the way you say it. That's how it goes. Now, Lady Boreal has lost her powers and is becoming the Borealis again, the Aurora Borealis again. Um, as a final act, what she does is give Rudolph his powers to oppose Winterbolt, which makes this sound, again, like a much more exciting movie than it is. Yep. But that's what happens. And also, uh, Rudolph's power turns out to come from a tattoo of a snowflake on his foot. I just made a connection. She's Glinda the Good Witch. No wonder I love her. Oh, yeah. nice. Who is, like, super powerful, basically, like, puppeteers this whole thing, and then is like, great, you guys sorted it out. I'm going to go back to my bubble. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back to being a beautifully colored thing. Yeah. See, I, I think it, this is, I, my category is a bit unfair, but I think because she's clearly the, the closest thing to a genuine ultimate Christmas deity we've seen, I went with uh, Jingle Beldrich. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's kind of fair. I mean, she's benevolent, but she is the sort of elder god of Christmas in this world which, in which Christmas exists without Christianity, which is kind of rad and weird and amazing. What do you have for the category, Kelly? Uh, well, the one thing that I do want to call Lady Boreal out on is that she was explaining everything that is important to a newborn deer. <laughs> and being like, you never can do anything bad, Rudolph, or oh, else yeah. your nose will go out. Yeah, and that's... it's like, 
This is a baby. It was literally born. His mom's so tired. Yeah. She had to take a nap. To be fair, she did kind and, of try to tattoo it on him. And her in dad, case he forgot. <laughs> the dad isn't even around right now. Yeah, the dad's not even home. I did like, oh, that was like a little moment of mom shaming where they're like, and then Rudolph's mom left him alone for a little bit. I'm like, yeah, she's got a placenta hanging out of the back of her. And she didn't even leave him alone. She just fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. With him. With him. Around yeah. That's also a very important point. Though. Like, it, the, the conceit here is that Rudolph, if Rudolph does anything evil, he'll lose his power. Yeah, and that's why he, they had to get, that's why Winterbolt had to get him to the beach. It's yeah. because Lady Boreal's essence was in the, you know, in the snow, let's say. Yeah. And so... He couldn't do evil He in couldn't North do Pole. evil in the North Pole. I feel like when we were talking about this movie is the way like a child explains a movie. You're like, and then this happens, and then this happens. But like, that's, that's the only way I can talk. That's kind of how it happens. It's also how it hits you as a viewer. Yeah. Yeah. It's I've seen this movie four times, and I'm still not... I'm still a little shaky. I keep finding new things each time, but only because I'm paying close attention for this episode. I actually just called her socks on Christmas. Mm. She's is the most important character... But she's treated as a bit character. Yeah, that's a bit shitty. That's true. She does set everybody else up, though. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, I think it's between me and Kelly this time, I think. What do okay. You think? What's, your, what's your opinions? She's a bit character. You want her to be something else, but she's not in this movie. Yeah. What was yours again? Uh, Jingle Beldrich. She is the most important deity in all of this. Yeah. She's the only one that's actually probably a deity. Yeah. In that I think they call her, like, a god. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Jingle Beldrich. Non-horror. Um, she's great. So, anyway. so Also, this is, like, the mat- this is like endless matriarchies. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, we, we go for that sort of big, grand fantasy tone to something much less. Um, but something that is important for Winterbolt's devious scheme to become beloved by children. Uh, and is triggered by the next character, Milton, the ice cream man. An ice cream man who has an airship, like a blimp, and who stores all of his It's a hot cream. air balloon. A, Come on, crazy. It can't be a hot air balloon because it's in the North Pole. Yeah, but there's still a flame. Yeah, but it's so It has beautiful mid-century modern oh, that's great. depictions does. of ice cream on it, which it is the oh only God, thing yeah. that matters. I don't care what it is, but it's beautiful. Regardless, the point of the thing is that Milton, the ice cream man, has to keep his ice cream at the North Pole because yep. that's where it stays cold. Yep. So refrigeration, not a thing. Do we thing. believe he has like so much ice cream that that's necessary or is he just a cheapskate is he an ice cream billionaire that one <laughs> I, this is this seems like such a horrible scheme though so milton is a character Milton has a problem Milton has a problem yeah. his problem is that he wants to get married to his fiance was apparently in the process of doing so at her mother's circus on the high wire but her mom didn't pay any taxes and sure. so another villain sam spangles uh <laughs> Wants Another to, villain, the IRS. Yeah, uh, Sam Spangles wants to buy out the circus, and this makes because he can't afford to pay the because taxes. Because he can, yeah. And uh, this makes uh, let's see, Lainey Lorraine, his fiance, terribly sad because it might mean she has to go on the road with her creepy human stick figure act. Um, so the, these three character, these two characters, and another we'll talk about in a second, are sort of like the the crux of the human action of the play. Um, so. Let's start talking about Milton. What are you guys, what's your feelings? I kind of like Milton, actually. Because Milton has like a bonkers ass job, right? Mm-hmm. But he's basically like, I need to make sure that my future wife has a career that suits her, that she enjoys. And I'm going to 
I'm going to allow myself to take second place to that and do what's ever in my power to make sure that her career fits her and that there's also a little bit of space for me. Yeah. But not in terms of like making her quit or stop doing what she's doing. Like, I'm going to save her mom's business. Yeah. We are complimentary to each other. They're really, right. They're she really, does uh, well. I do well. Exactly. Yeah. And her career is more important than mine because apparently being a flying ice cream man is something that's just in demand the world <laughs> over. Also, if you're yeah. a flying ice cream man, why would it matter if the circus had to go yeah, on the road? Exactly. I think that the circus going on the road is more a matter of she would have to work for someone other than her mother. Uh, and mm-hmm. she is not... That doesn't that doesn't jive with Lainey's career aspirations. To be fair, once you meet her mother, you understand why you wouldn't want to work for anybody but her. Um, yeah, I, I like I like that. There's a very positive message in this relationship, and I agree. Like it's a very it's very sweet and very uh, good. Like, it presents a very good image to to children. It, it's uh, a pattern for of of modern marriage marriage that is dumb, but yeah. kind of but like not there, unpalatable. There's a real progressive for the it. time. Exactly. Definitely progressive for the time, but. He's a dope. Yeah. I mean, like, I, Milton's a dope. I do kind of think Milton's, like, he seems like, he's what I imagine uh, Willy Wonka the early years to be, like, before he went all Howard Hughes and, like, creeped up in his chocolate river castle. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's what happens if, uh, yeah. if Lainey has to go on the road and he has to become a twisted old loveless freak. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I called it all milk toast to that. Because I do I, like him, yeah, but, he, I, I mean, that. like, he's a dope, but... I'm milk toast. I'm on board with. I see, as soon as I heard milk toast, I was like, "Oh, that's oh milk. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, milk. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I do agree. I think my category again. I took the similar uh, uh, approach uh, to a previous one, where Milton to me is very much like um, the uh, mailman from Santa Claus Coming to Town. Uh, they look very similar, so it's a regift. I think they might have used the same puppet again, but that doesn't mean anything. And you're right, milk toast is probably better. So we pick up the story. So Milton uh, wants to go back to the south to meet his fiance uh, with the with the intent to bring go Rudolph back to the beach to the beach, with the intent to bring Rudolph along uh, to help raise money via the circus. So he wants to turn Rudolph into a circus performer uh, to uh, sell tickets at this circus. And Frosty's family still wants to go despite the impending peril that creates. But uh, lo and behold, who comes along? Winterbolt. Winterbolt. Uh, who none of these guys know because he's been asleep for thousands of years. And he's like, hey, everybody, I'm a really cool guy. <laughs> Winterbolt gives, God, gives Frost, the Frosties uh, four medallions oh, them to stay alive the medallions. in the heat. As, until, <laughs> God. And all these medallions, there are four Fs intertwined in a way that looks like a snowflake. Kind of looks like a swastika. Oh, yeah. Yes. it's not. There's some issues there. All right. So um, they go down and they get to meet the lovely Lanny, uh, who is, of course, Milton's uh, fiance and uh, is... Uh, really creepy looking. Kind of creepy looking and also just very much... Anatomically upsetting in every way. <laughs> and She's just, mostly legs. Yeah, Despite I the think... sort of progressive attitude of the relationship, there's a lot of like objectification going on in how she's presented. It's sort of a weak point in a lot of ways. Like she, well, the whole doll thing is creepy. Yeah. Well, it's weird. She's sort of. There's nothing. There's not any one thing. It's just how she looks. Yeah. Yeah. Which I is think. unfair. I think to judge. Right, but but it is, and also she just seems kind of like floaty and out of it. Like she's yeah. upset. Yep. And she does seem to like have feelings. Feelings, but they're. Muffled. Yes. Yeah. One only assumes because she doesn't have most major organs. <laughs> yeah, they're all just squished or missing. Her legs start at her armpits. And oh man, it just so, go down. I I really could not handle what her body looked like. It really made me so uncomfortable. Yeah. If Lenny Lorraine, she's like something from like a like a creepy pasta. 
Yes. <laughs> like, I could see her form getting photoshopped into the back of, like, otherwise normal pictures for creep reasons. <laughs> she is the thing Slenderman are made of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she seems medicated to me, so I gave her Valley of the Schmaltz. Fair. Yeah. Uh, I said uh, Living Nativity because she's just a prop. Like, when you see her, she's she, more than anything else, makes you acutely aware that you are watching puppets. Oh, that's true. Yeah. What do we think? I, I, man, you really like caught me with the whole, like, you can tell she's a puppet. She, she is. is. Yeah. Everyone else has anatomy that is like cartoonish, but not upsetting like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I like that one. Living Nativity? Yeah. Living Nativity. Right. I don't think I really got Living Nativity until that. Yeah. As a category. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we got Lainey Lorraine. Guys, let's talk about Lily Lorraine. She dresses like a cowgirl in a skirt and punctuates every sentence with shooting guns. <laughs> One point of order, they're culottes. This woman is amazing. She's great. She shoots guns to punctuate every sentence. Yep, literally every sentence. Boom, boom. How you doing? Bang. Her comments on Milton as a, as a future son-in-law are both incredibly brutal and pointed and also pervy. I yeah. also think that was the banana split cut. Is like what she says is he's like landing and she's like, I don't know about him. Yeah, you can't live alone on banana splits. Which is hilarious because she runs a circus and she's worried about the financial uh, liquidity of a flying ice cream man. She also doesn't pay her taxes. She (laughs) also does not pay her taxes. Um, She later on juggles axes to punctuate a song. Yep. And when Rudolph is feeling a little bit down, she's like, you know what? That just happens in the circus. You know what, Blinky? Yeah. Calls him Blinky. You know what, Blinky? The circus is like a man and then performs a song. Oh, man. I, that was my favorite song mm. of this entire yeah. Of this entire thing. And I assume it's uh, Chicken Today, Feather Smart, which yeah. I assume is just an Ethel Merman I think it's just one of standby. Yeah. Because, like, the connection is so loose. She's like, you know, the circus is up and down like a man. I got a song about a man. Here we go. <laughs> this is also a song definitely about sex. Yeah. Yes, and also maybe the Great Depression. (laughs) Eating feathers, not great. Um, Lily Lorraine, oh my God! I I mean, this is this is this doesn't encompass her greatness. She is kind of like if you took Yukon Cornelius, made him a woman, and made him like a hundred times greater. It's like if you took Yukon Cornelius and were like, we should give him a business. Yeah. What business should he run? And make him a mother. Took Yukon Cornelius and mixed him with Dolly Parton. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I gave her the same category I gave to Yukon Cornelius, which is wassailant because she hits it hard and it does not stop talking about Christmas as soon as she starts. She's also actually, much like Yukon Cornelius, the hero of the piece at the end of the day. That's true. She is. She does yeah. assault the main villain at the end yeah. successfully. But not, and with a gun, but not the way you think because she only shoots blanks. She literally throws her gun at him. Destroys his staff, which is made of ice, shatters it, melts it. He turns into a tree in a scene that I'm sure gave a lot of children nightmares in 1979, I believe. Sure. Um, and just saves the day. She's great. Uh, she's a she's a assailant. Mm. Well, you guys know what my category for is for is for her, obviously, yep. because she refuses to pay her taxes and she loves guns. <laughs> Manifest Charlton <laughs> destiny. She would not fit into any of my categories. And thinking about it, I tried to ham fist her into another one or come up with a new one. Which she doesn't deserve. Before I just finally decided she was best. Yeah. 
I think she's the best character in all of them. She's definitely... I think she might be best. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna, I flirted with the idea of going for best, yeah. but then I went with that because I wanted to... I wanted to make that connection, but I think you might be right, man. She's the best character in all these movies, despite the fact that she's in the worst of the movies. She's the exception that proves the rule. We've moved away from doing best and worst. Um, But sometimes... she just is. And she's she and Winterbold are the only reasons to watch this movie. Yeah. Luckily, there's a lot of them. And unfortunately, they're only in one scene together. True. The best scene in the movie. The scariest scene in the movie. It's also the best scene in the movie because it's almost at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like, like, I'm in the home stretch. But you have no idea it's the end though because it's just that kind of movie. Well, yeah. we do have, we do know because yeah. we have remotes. Technology. But yeah. Yeah. Right. We can Lil, see run times. Lily the Rain. The best character Yay. in the entire trilogy. All right, guys. So um, going to one of three villains in this movie. Uh, Sub villain number one. Sub villain one. Lackey one. Sam Spangles, the man who wants to buy the tax beleaguered uh, Circus by the Sea. Um, I I feel like he's kind of, in many ways, a pretty standard villain. I do love that he like, puts, uh, puts an eviction notice on Milton's face. <laughs> I think that he's a little bit brusque, but I question his villainousness. Mm. I think he's just a squirrel trying to get a nut. Yeah. Yep. Like, he can pay these taxes. He's always wanted to run... A circus. His mother named him Sam Spangles. Yeah. Yep. Like, what else is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to go work in a bank? No. No. Yeah. I'm little, I will say the one one sort of I guess kind of knock on Lily Lorraine is that like she's very into like Fourth of July America, very American. She does not want to pay her does taxes. Does not pay her taxes, no. which is in fact a very American thing I guess yeah. these days. I think you can the, be the president and not pay your taxes. Oh. Great. To be fair, I think she's just had kind of a couple rough couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and just didn't have she the... is going to pay her taxes yeah, yeah, yeah. with the money. So. The, the plot at this point, Sam Spangles is brought in because he wants to buy her circus and he is used as a pawn to f- to kind of force Rudolph unwittingly yep. into doing something bad, losing his red nose ability. I am very curious. So I, I think Sam Spangles is just like an eccentric businessman who has circus dreams. Can you imagine trying to buy a business? And suddenly you're entangled in a war between a winter elder god <laughs> and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer oh. and Frosty. Ugh. And the Aurora Borealis. Rankin Bass <laughs> and Sam Snowman Stern are dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm, okay, I would yeah. love to see, I would love to see a wide Sargasso Sea version where <laughs> Sam Spangles is like, look, I grew up in tenement housing. I saw my mother get beaten every night. And I'm just trying to better myself. Yep. And I see this opportunity and I'm going to grab it. And, you know, I'm a kid who has grown up in gangland. And if that takes me stealing a bag of money that I don't know where it came from and it's just going to get handed to me, then I'm going to do it. Because this is my shot. I would love to see that. And then, but that played out against him with these, like, low-rent low Christmas deities. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's the bad guy. Those are the oh, bad man. guys to him. Mm. He is going up against Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You've that's sold right. me. And Santa. Yeah. Oh, I... man. You've so sold me. Uh, I would watch that movie a hundred times. <laughs> um, I did have him as a bad guy who isn't actually bad. So... Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's just yeah. a dude. So we have one for Sam Spangles. Yep. Yeah. Guys. But we need but we need someone who can go to Sam Spangles on behalf of Winterbolt. Oh yes. An emissary, as it were. To, to lubricate this particular plot point. Who who could that be? Is it a deer that looks like a dog? Oh, I believe it is. 
A deer that looks like a dog lives in tenement housing. He in lives in truly, gorgeous housing. Truly lives in tenement yeah. housing. He's yeah. like, actually, I didn't even think it was tenement housing. I thought he lived like a little shop of horrors skid row. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. he lived in like crummy New York housing. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. The bad side of the North Pole. Wow. Uh, his name is Scratcher. Yep. He doesn't pay rent and he talks like Paul Lind. I loved Scratcher. Yeah. yeah. So Scratcher is definitely like a moment where you realize that maybe these things are happening sort of in alternative histories. Yeah. Because he apparently was the one who was supposed to have Rudolph's job. He was supposed to lead Santa's sleigh, which I guess means that Donner had hung up his jingle bells for good <laughs> and that that spot was open. If Scratcher was going to do it. <laughs> you just... You don't just think that Scratcher is a pathological liar? He might be. <laughs> he might. Be. He might be. Sure. He he is. I mean, probably. But also, it's fun to believe that Rudolph is a scab. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to believe that Scratcher decided to give himself a Christmas bonus of an entire batch of candy canes. Yep. <laughs> um, basically, Winterbolt goes to Scratcher and says that he would like to get revenge on Rudolph, and Scratcher says, "Man, I'm the man for the job because Rudolph took my job." And I now live in tenement housing and am flea-bitten and miserable creature. So let's do this thing. <laughs> like, yeah. I will take down Rudolph any way I can. But I loved Scratcher. I did. I, I couldn't help it. I, I thought that he was great. I think he and Sam Spangle should go on the rip together and, like, pull <laughs> off, like, bit cons. <laughs> they are such... They have such... Little aspirations yep. as criminals. Oh man, it's so true. That and, and such style. Not as much as Winterbold, of course. But yeah. right, so, what do you guys have for categories? I called him Christmas Sludge because he's kind of a mixture mm. between <laughs> a dog and a reindeer. Is he a Christmas slurry? Guys, he's just—he's just, just ugly. Santa's don't little helper. Yeah, <laughs> but some dentures. Yeah. Also, Max from The Grinch who stole Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I said all I want for Christmas is me, because he just aspires to be a good reindeer, but is, you know, fundamentally evil and bad. I don't know if I agree with that. I called him uh, a, a blood yule timond, because I mm. feel like if you set up a, um, if you set up an economic base where either you're a Santa's reindeer or you can't afford anything in your life, <laughs> you're going to get scratcher. Uh, yeah, I think blood yule timond. Yeah, blood yule yeah. timond. All right. All right, so what hap- how does this wrap up? Well, I'm not going to give you the full rundown. I'm going to give you some key points because, again, I don't have three hours. Yes. <laughs> All right, so, I think we did actually a pretty good job. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So Santa plans to fly down, gets caught in a storm, um, offers a loving, tri- loving tribute to his wife. Uh, there's a parade. Winterbolt shows up in that bitchin' sleigh with snakes. Uh, <laughs> tell, explains to Rudolph what's going on, blackmails him. That's a uh, classic Bond villain is like, oh, yeah. I orchestrated this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would also, I mean, imagine that from Sam Spangle's perspective. Oh like, he hasn't seen Winterbolt at all. Yeah. His only impression of this is from Scratcher, <laughs> which granted is weird. And then a 12-foot wizard. But he knows about, like, the existence of a talking... <laughs> a whole 12 inches. Yeah. He knows the existence of a talking reindeer. So yeah. Scratcher might not be that crazy to me, but suddenly he finds out this is all the mass- machinations... Of like, of a weird elder god. <laughs> wow, a Christmas elder god. He's like, I'm just trying to like, I just torture some some uh, elephants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh. Anyway, so we this. So Winter Ball comes down. Uh, at some point, uh, Frosty says, "I don't understand," and I personally agree. Uh, Which feels bad because, uh, like I said, they're buffoons. Yeah. Yeah. After finally losing his gift, so Rudolph. Uh, after losing his gift, Rudolph appreciates how special it made him. Thus, sort of completing the circle of this whole journey of self transformation or self realization. Uh, Frosty sacrifices his hat to Winterbolt to so under the. Uh, Due to lies, Winterbolt says he'll give Rudolph his powers back, but he can't. Uh, Winterbolt wants the hat because he thinks he can use it to make an army of snowmen, which, which is Which I would personally love to see also. And again, wild. Uh, conveniently, Lady Boreal pops up as the Aurora Borealis says, hey Rudy, hey, Rudy, be brave. Disappears. That's it. Uh, Rudolph desperately goes to the shore, and all of a sudden, goddamn Big Ben shows Big up ben. with uh, alone at this point. Is like, hey, hey, Rudolph, how you doing? He's like, I'm sad, and he explains why. He's like, hey, Rudolph, are there any little jobs I can do for you? Rudolph, well, I don't know, I need help. But he was like, hey, guess what? Uh, you just chill, be brave. I'll be back. Gotta go to South America. Not lying, that's what he says. Um, <laughs> Gotta make a t- quick trip. Yeah. So Rudolph uh, follows Winterbolt uh, to get Frosty's hat back. Fights one of the sperm snakes. Doesn't win, but does get Frosty's hat back, puts it on, and then it turns out the hat was powered by Lady Boreal, and he gets his powers back from the hat. The tattoo comes back on his foot. Again, all of this actually happens. I do uh, kind of wonder if there was like a Wizard of Oz thing there. Oh, I'm sure. Like he had the power all oh, along yeah. to all restore along, his yeah. powers. Uh, exactly. He gets his power back, which his powers all around you are just having a nose that lights up. Uh, <laughs> it's super useful in a world without flashlights. Oh my yeah. god, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, goes goes back, tells everybody... Uh, and the truth, everybody loves him. Sam Spiegels goes to jail. The circus is saved. Great. Actually, turns out, no. Winterbolt comes back, threatens everyone with his ice staff because he's a terrifying wizard. Lily Lorraine, who's the best, throws her gun at him, as I mentioned earlier, shatters his staff. He dies by turning into a shrew, which is a very scary scene. Um, also completely unexplained. Oh, God, nope. no. Yeah. Nope. Why would he turn into a tree? Who knows? Um this causes Santa to be freed from the storm that Winterbolt created. Uh, also kills the Frosties dead because, because their amulets wore off because nope. they were pyro Winterbolts. Everyone's super sad. Luckily, Big Ben returns from South America with Jack Frost Her. from the movie Jack Frost. Not the one with Michael Keaton, but the one with the claymation. Anyway, so uh, is this the end? No, not quite. Uh, because, of course, Santa gets there, picks up the Frosties... Is uh, like, oh no, Lily still has to pay her taxes. Yeah, Rudolph's like, I'm going to stick around and work until the taxes are paid. And Santa's like, oh, I wouldn't worry about that. I bet a circus full of flying animals is going to bring in a lot of money. He's given the, the magic feed corn to all of Lily's animals. So there's another parade of flying animals. Flying the Frosties parade. are like, the Frosties, not Frosty, but his wife's are like, well, you we should stick around for the parade. While Jack Frost is just blowing on them desperately for like 10 minutes. And Jack Frost is like, I have places to be. Like, I, I really need to get back to South America. <laughs> ah. So Santa gets there, picks up the Frosties. They go back. Rudolph leads the parade. The end. I, I do have one quick thing. Oh, please. May I point out that when Santa lands, he's like, no, no, Rudolph, you have to come back with me. Back to your Santa industrial complex. Yeah. Christmas industrial complex. Because you're my property. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry. I will give Lily the means she needs to run this her, her circus forever. Though I am the only person that can ever supply it. So she will now be under my lineage. Santa expands his operation. Also. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Dark. 
guys. Merry Christmas. Don't Merry believe in Christmas. Santa Claus, guys. That's that's the upshot. Santa Claus, actually the villain. Uh, we did it. We did it. Congratulations. Yay. We did it. Um, God, that last movie oof. is a slog. It's tough stuff. Anyway. It's tough stuff. Um... Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so thank you guys for listening in. Uh, you can always, as always, check us out on uh, at outrageousmechanisms.com slash categorical oracle or find us on Facebook or Twitter uh, and Instagram as well. Uh, and don't forget, if you like what you hear, uh, rate and review us in the iTunes store or your uh, podcast platform of choice. Uh, thanks again. See you in the new year. In the new year? Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, it'll be shiny. It'll be shiny! <laughs> Hopefully they're shiny, although I would definitely take Monday. (laughs) Bye, guys. An outrageous mechanism production.